0: Pheromone. The first time this was ever ever outed in a live setting, ladies and gentlemen, was 2012 in Australia. Well, no, Where? ever. Really? Yes. It's never been played live. The first live appearance. But was was next?
1: An- can you really say it was played live on the Aussie okay. TV
0: But the, the point. Put, I'm, not, pushed, I'm not going to say it was played live. No, no. Yeah, no it wasn't played. It wasn't played live because you pushed the button. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't played live. They hadn't the band hadn't rehearsed that song at that stage. But no, it's the first time that it was it's ever been triggered. <laughs> <laughs> no. The first time this song was ever sampled on a sample set was 2012 in Sydney, Australia.
2: What about the Glam Slam Ulysses or whatever that musical thing that he did around this era? Surely it was part of that. No, it wasn't. It
3: wasn't, it wasn't played live.
0: No, it was never played in front of an audience. Do you, do you think when Prince triggered that sample in May 2012 in, in at the All Phones Arena in Sydney... Do you think maybe he smelt the Peach and Black podcast guys there? <laughs> <laughs> do you think he sensed? Do you think he was he sensed us in the audience and he just thought pheromone Peach and Black those bastards they follow me everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> oh no.
1: My name is slo-mo.
2: <laughs> <laughs> no one was looking.
0: <laughs>
2: <laughs> Welcome to the pump, black Podcast. Podcast. Your central place to hear unofficial, unofficial news, reviews, trivia, and, and intelligent discussion on
0: all things happening in the Prince, prince world. Featuring the host, MC. MC. You know, it's got all those classic Prince elements. Captain,
3: why wouldn't you just record as much as you Player. Oh yeah.
2: yeah. It's just like a story chasm of ideas. Oh okay. yeah. jam. Either version.
1: I love both versions.
0: Hello, 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 and welcome to the Peach and Black podcast. (laughs) (laughs) We are going to review an album. The name of the album is Calm. I'd like to welcome you to the show, and here is my panel,
2: Player. When I'm deep inside that, yeah. (laughs) Toe.
0: Trying not to break character. Toe jam. Like a strawberry chocolate, Fender Jazz, Mashed Potato potato,
3: Foz tone. (laughs)
0: <laughs> and Captain on the echo there. What like the fever! <laughs> <laughs> Turn around. And welcome back. This is Peach and Black. And we're about to review the Come album, like I said. We're all here. About to go deep into this album. This 1994 release. Ah, where do we begin with this, guys? This was the
3: final album of new material that he gave to Warner Brothers. Is that right, or
0: was that Chaos and Disorder? As- as Prince. Okay. Yeah, As well, Prince. Yeah. Chaos and Disorder yeah. was like, by the time it came out, it was leftovers. Yeah. Okay. So, this is the final Prince material, so to speak, until 2001. Basically, mm. new material. And what a difference when you compare the Rainbow Children to the Come album, hey? That's a good way to start <laughs> this show off. When <laughs> <laughs> you know, to think about
1: it, we've gone from, can I suck you, can I am <clears throat> you, to,
0: what the duck? What the <laughs> duck? <laughs> 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 the 15th album. By Prince. He was, um, I think, still under exclusive contract to Warners, Warner Brothers Recording Company. And this was released, what, August 94? Yep. August Really an interesting time in his career because he is going through this name change um, and has been going through the name change for the last, you know, two years, probably from 92 onwards, 92, 93 era. And just before the Gold Experience albums released and everything that follows, so this is like the the tail end of that of that whole era, really, because by the time ninety six came around, he's quote unquote free. So yeah, it's an interesting it's an interesting time in his career. Speaking of this era, ninety four, it's one of Captain's favorites favorite eras, oh, obviously. Yeah. But this album Prince didn't tour it. You know, it was released as a contractual obligation, supposedly. It's a very little fanfare. And that was really it, wasn't it? I mean, he even himself said that the relationship wasn't particularly great, wasn't particularly healthy. Didn't they- Every time this album was kind of discussed, it was- basically known as the contractor obligation basically it wasn't seen as a serious addition to the discography am i right in saying that or
1: i think so like um i remember when i found this album found it in like a you know bargain bin I'm, and it's maybe a year or two after i'd sort of got into Prince, and so i'm like what the hell What's, is this an album or is this like a best of i did not even know it existed and yeah because you know you when you start getting into it you look up and everyone's you know purple rain sign of the times and even stuff like emancipation was more well known than
0: this i think yeah.
3: Which is very, very sad. This yeah, is that's way what... better than bloody emancipation.
0: <laughs> well, we're going off early. But the, the whole point was that Prince was marketing This as Old Music as, as something that he had done, and he was preparing the world for everything else, wasn't he? For the gold experience and everything that followed. So,
1: even on the cover, you know, he's got his, it's like a- um, Funeral you know, like theme. Yeah. A whole funeral theme and the, the date of his death, essentially, and the black <laughs> and white. You know, it's really sort of saying, this is it.
0: Yeah. And it, and it charted very poorly. I mean, it didn't sell very well, didn't chart very well, wasn't promoted very well. But when you think about this was recorded, this album, the majority of it was recorded in, you know, 92, 93. Um, maybe early 94 at the, at the at the latest. This is like a key period of creativity in his, from a career perspective. So, he's really on top of his game, yeah, you know. He's just done Diamonds and Pearls. He's just done the Symbol album. He's got all these other projects happening in the background for other artists and MPG Exodus and all this kind of stuff is is about to emerge. And he comes out with this, you know, usually when somebody re- releases an album, they do something with it and he does nothing. He just says, oh, I'll release it if you want. Here you go. That,
1: that's right. Like, people always talk about, you know, his peaks of creative times I guess and there's certain periods where he just seems he recorded a, a crap load like you think of you know 82 through to 86 it's just the amount of recording And then it just, I don't know, maybe he was just still continuing recording, but it seems to have dropped off a little bit between that. And then in this period here, this 93 to 95, there's so much stuff that comes out of that, those two two or three years. Mm. It's amazing when you think about it. And this is just one slice of that.
2: Yeah, it's absolutely incredible. In fact, everything from, not everything, but some tracks from Gold Experience were in an early configuration of this album as well. So, things like Indolfo Machine, supposed to be on here... I don't Interactive. know, it's really... Yeah, it's hard to tell because, like, uh, all the songs on this album are, like, one-word name, like, titles. And, like, if you look at Indolphin Machine, it's not, not two-word names, it's all sort of bumped into one. Same with, like, Let It Go, kind of, it cheats it that way by putting mm-hmm. it all together. But, you know, you look at the Gold Experience, there's Shy, there's...
0: 319, Now. So, yeah, yeah,
2: yeah every, all those are one-word titles as well. So, Gold, so there's
0: potentially, like... Dolphin, Yeah, Shush. Yeah.
2: So, like, there's potentially songs on that album that could have been on this one just because they were all one word titles.
0: Yeah, I think Dolphin was on an early configuration as well. So, it's like, mm-hmm. it's all coming out during the same time. <laughs> and when you think about it, if if we're saying that, you know, maybe a song from the Gold Experience or a few songs from the Gold Experience could have ended up on this album, it's interesting because Come is touted as, like, the death of Prince, you know? So, it's just, that's just strange, you know? I, won- I wonder what, what we would have been talking about if Interactive and endorphin machine would have ended up on this instead of the gold experience.
1: Well, it does make you wonder, what if this was the last Prince album? What if nothing else came after this? Hmm.
0: We'll get to my review, so you'll know yeah. my thoughts, that's for sure. <laughs> so, without further ado, why don't we go into the track by track song analysis and discussion and get into the swing of things, the new Jack swing of things. You'll know why I said that in a second. And start off with the title track, which is Come. Come, you should do that girl. <laughs> All 11 minutes and 13 seconds of it. Okay, so, Toe Jam. why don't you start us off with track one, your thoughts of track one, come.
1: All right, well, I'll start straight off by saying this is far and beyond the best track on the album. It's an unbelievable track. It's an unbelievable track. Where to begin, where to begin? Well, the whole song is just sort of built off this drum loop in the background, which is a really classic sort of early 90s mid-tempo hip-hop sort of beat. And it's got a really wintry sound. It's got like the sort of sleigh bells in the background. It's got all the muted trumpets. Uh, this real dry kind of beat in the background. Just it just loops all the way through. So it's really kind of slick. And the bass in this song is just really nice. It's really smooth and and sexy. And really, that that's what this song is like. This song is just pure sex the whole way through. This is pretty explicit. Some of the lyrics in this. <laughs> he got that right. Uh, it, I mean, this this is potentially the the most sleazy. Prince song out there, I think. I mean, there's no, there's no innuendo. This is, you know, it's, this is what he's talking about. With my tongue in the crease, baby, I go around and I go down. That kind of stuff. Like, (laughs) that's a really cool (laughs) lyric, actually. It is a really cool (laughs) lyric. Like that kind of stuff. That's so, it's, you know, it's so, (laughs) it's so blatant, but it's really well done as well. Like really clever. But what I also love about the song is the horns. Like the horns rule in this song all the way through. Really tight arrangements and, I love the way sometimes they follow the vocals and sometimes the vocals follow the horns and you don't know which one was written first. It's like, well, were the horns written to match the vocals or were the vocals singing along with what the horns were doing? I don't know, but that's, that's I love that stuff. Especially from like six minutes uh, or so, I think it sort of breaks down a bit and Prince gets really close to the mic and he's almost whispering to the listener. And you know, there's this sort of dream section, which I call it, which is when the you know the action is happening really, and it's just all the solos. You get a trumpet, little trumpet solo happening, a trombone solo, an alto sax solo, and it just kind of builds all the way through. Then you get this. I'm not sure if it's a clarinet or a soprano sax solo doing this sort of Egyptian kind of line, and it's just all building and building. And that section is just brilliant arrangement all the way through. And then I love it at 9:06. The bass line then moves to the five, so the fifth note of the scale, and it sort of hangs there for a while and and then it resolves, and it's, and it's clearly, you know, the climax of the song, if you know what I'm talking about. And uh, everything, everything sort of brightens up, you know, the horns start moving, jumping around a bit more, there's all these Rs and oohs in the background, the strings come in, Prince starts singing in his falsetto, it's really like, you know, that before that it was all kind of dark and like, you know, he's doing this stuff. And now it's like, oh, wasn't that, wasn't that wonderful sort of thing. Uh, and I love the, the arrangement to get from point A to point B there is just like he's done a lot of these songs throughout his career like do me is obviously the first one these songs that are sort of musically suggestive of what's happening and the build up and the climax etc and this one is probably one of the best ones I think I think he'd done it so many times by now that <laughs> that sounds weird um, <laughs> I meant, I meant I'm talking about doing it musically um. <laughs> uh, that you know he, he really knows how to play play the notes so to speak there's a, another classic line in here which is my opening thing that One of my favorite Prince lyrics, you know, like a strawberry chocolate Fender jazz mashed potato fuzz tone. You know, he's comparing his jizz. That's what he's describing. He's describing his jizz as a strawberry chocolate Fender jazz mashed potato fuzz tone.
0: (laughs) I mean, come on. (laughs) What kind of diet was this guy on? And one
1: one tiny little... um... (laughs) One tiny little classic, hilarious moment that you're probably going to pick up on headphones is yeah. when he says, you know, don't cough and sneeze, and, and then in, in the left and then in the right ear you, uh, you hear the yeah, little yeah. shoe's going yeah, on. That's classic <laughs> stuff. So. <laughs> so I mean, this is as sleazy as it gets, but it's it's such an awesome groove, and the groove just holds all the way through. It's 11 minutes long. I don't, I never tire of the song at all. I never like feel, oh, it's meandering along a bit. All 11 minutes is is brilliant.
0: So yeah. I'll leave it there. Yeah oh i need a deep breath after that review um yeah. <laughs> that was a hilarious review to gem of that first song i loved it
1: it's hard <laughs> to escape <laughs> yeah
0: i mean you have to be honest about it but it's like it's <laughs> hilarious. You're like his jizz he's talking about his jizz <laughs> i loved it
1: <laughs> i think there's only one other line in this album that's worse than that like worse in terms of cd
0: like you, you know how sometimes prince says oh I'm, an, I'm a pretty open book. If you listen to my music, you'll get a pretty clear <laughs> picture of who I am. <laughs> you listened listen to Common Pheromone back to back. <laughs> oh, God. That's pretty funny. I actually
1: really enjoyed listening because I listened to this this afternoon. And it's the first time I've sat down and listened to a whole Prince album for ages.
0: Yeah, me too. And it, it sounded good. Yeah, I've been really grooving on this. I came home tonight, actually, and put the record on because I've got the record. This CD version is actually pretty good compared to the vinyl, I have to admit. This has almost re- reignited me in a way, I have to say, for the show and for everything, even if it means I have to keep listening to this album. All right, so, Player, what are your thoughts on Come, the, the album track?
2: <laughs> okay, I agree with Jam. This is a great song. It's funky, it's jazzy. It's got one of my favorite elements in a funk song, which is sleigh bells. Put sleigh bells over any heavy beat and it'll instantly make it funky. I also agree the horns are a real highlight on this song. Many cool licks and embellishments. The drums, particularly the snare, has a real tight, heavy sound, which I like. And is a contrast to the other versions of this song, which are also great. But the snare is more of a dull sound in those other versions. And Toy Jam picked up on it as well. The bass is nice and slinky. The slurping sounds that Prince makes during this song is definitely an interesting listen. And also too, I agree with Toy Jam, Like at 11 minutes, it doesn't seem like it drags on. It's it's interesting all the way through so it's a, it's a really good track and this the other good thing is like Prince could have easily made a remix album of this song because there's so many different versions have come there's like an electronic version and this version and it could have easily been like a remix EP that he could have put out but um I, I like all the versions that I've heard of this song it's really cool cool
1: hmm. so sorry what about the Niall Ro- saying you read Nile Rogers thing
2: yeah I read Nile Rogers autobiography and he and he's talking about how he writes songs and he has a certain technique that he writes and it's called DHM which is deep hidden meaning so do you guys have any idea what the DHM
0: of this track is the what the DHM yeah Say that again.
2: When he writes songs, like, he deliberately puts in what he calls the deep hidden meaning. So, every song that he writes to make it successful, it must have a DHM in it. He, hmm. he calls it DHM for short. Sure. So, okay. does anyone know what the DHM of this song is?
0: Can I just quickly say, the DHM isn't necessarily audible, right? It's like a- you're talking about, like, a, an actual hidden meaning in a song.
2: I think what Jam said is totally true. It's all out there. Yeah, yeah.
1: I was going to say it's deep in it's meaning, but it's not hidden.
2: <laughs> no, that's right. It's just DM. Yeah. No, but I've heard a lot of people um, say this is like, in some terms, a spiritual thing as well you know in the start of the other electronic version the one that's on the beautiful experience it starts it kind of opens with this is the dawning of a new spiritual revolution like you know he mm-hmm. refers to spiritual themes in this song as well as it being sort of the overtly sexual as well so
0: spiritual themes are we listening to the same song here
2: look into it you'll find it you would agree in prince's career like he sort of Sort of treat sex in a way as a kind it's of all like part of it. Yeah. yeah experience akin to a religious experience.
0: Yes, <laughs> to that too. That's yeah. right. Maybe the Aussie toolbook. book. Who knows? Yeah. yeah maybe. Um. Yeah, I don't know about that. I agree with you about what you said, except for the the calm reference. Maybe it's very minimal where he talks about like. So, there's something in, in, in the song, Come, that talks about... The spirit's calling. W- yeah, spirit's calling, wash between your soul and all that kind of stuff. Mm. So, But it's very... Yeah, it's... Minute. Minute, yeah. Yeah. That's right. Okay. All right. This is a... um, It's a filthy song. Toe James mentioned that, but he didn't use the word filthy, and I'm about to. This is absolute filth. In the best possible sense, though. And <laughs> I know that almost sounds like a contradiction in terms, but what I mean by it is... It's just nasty. It's overt, but it's not- It doesn't seem disgusting to me when I listen to it. There are other overtly sexual songs or songs that reference sexual innuendos and actual overt sex itself. But this one does it in a way that just- It's kind of like it wears its heart on its sleeve.
1: It's all done, forgive the pun, in good taste.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you got that right. I mean, yeah, the tongue and the crease go around when I go down. Not only is that a great line, it's a funny line. It's just absolutely hilarious.
1: But, he, but what's what's <laughs> makes it hilarious is that, like, he's not singing it like a joke. <laughs> yeah.
0: yeah.
1: He's dead serious there, Serious. You know? yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. But it's like, actually, back to player's thing, and, and this is part of my review, the song does open up with that, if you're 18 and over, come here, I got something for your mind intro, which is interesting in the sense that, where does that fit with all the other lyrics? And maybe, maybe the deep hidden meaning is that, is that it's overtly sexual but there's a reason for it it's you know ears, yes. exactly um there's a spirit calling you. a know, noma will you cry and then there's lines that aren't overtly sexual like if you had the chance to see the future would you try if you will so will i but it, then again it's also like a play on words and a play on the whole situation because if you had a chance to see the future could mean the, the future could be seeing <laughs> seeing the other person without their clothes off so it's a very strange song in the, from that point of view, but you know when you go when you start really listening to what he's talking about about sucking and screaming and breathing and coughing and sneezing and dreaming and the tongues the, the tongues gonna do things that you've never seen. <laughs> you know when I blow your mind, I mean that's just let's just leave it there. You know, um, and that's just the lyrics. You know, it's no wonder there's a puddle there holding it in for so long. It can't be <laughs> let it go. I mean, come on. That's hilarious. That is downright hilarious. And then there's those other lines just after that that talk about something about, you know, don't, there's no problem just because you kiss in a restaurant. It doesn't matter because my tallywhackers sucking is all you want and all this kind of stuff. (laughs) (laughs) It's just pure poetry right there. But yeah, you should do that, baby, come. That is probably the best rounded review of this song that I could give. It's just to read the part of the lyrics. But onto the musical elements, there's that thick bass, the off-kilter horns at about 250 that start going all over the shop are just super cool. His voice sounds ragged and vocal. His his vocal kind of jazz type stylings throughout are really refreshing to hear. But the horn arrangements. This song, without the horn arrangements, would just be just an R&B groove. The horn arrangements just take it into the stratosphere. They give the track flair and musical sophistication. And um, the beat is a solid loop. But then it's those horns and those arrangements. And it's like those horns are almost big band in, in parts, you know. They just swing and they swoon and they... They just really fill out the space really nicely. So, yeah, that's more or less my observations of the song. Going back to that bass line just very quickly, it's so hypnotic. I-, I pulled out the record earlier tonight and I was listening to it and the CD version is quite good. You know, we talk about some albums are much better on vinyl. This is still better on, on vinyl, on record, but the CD is quite good. But on record, the bass just gets deeper and it just underpins the track. It actually sounds like a stand-up bass to me. It's That's how deep it is and it Yeah. S- it sounds like a real upright. jazz, yeah, upright bass. Yeah. And the vocals are so dense and the background vocals are so dense. And pardon this pun, but they, or reference, they, they do, the vocals sound like mashed potatoes, you know, in the background. They just all blend into each other and it's just really, really cool to listen to. So, yeah, I'm so actually surprised Toe Jam didn't, didn't go way, way harder on the, on the, or way more into the horns. Just saxes, trumpets everywhere. They're just so awesome. You know, it's like hmm. that that little Middle Eastern section you talked about that you, that you did actual actually mention. Where does that come from? Straight out of the blue. Yeah, really cool. He must be referencing Morocco or something. I don't I don't know. But uh, and I'll end on this. The most incredible thing about this song is just the way he builds into this relentless syncopated groove. Then all this Fender Jazz mashed potato funk happening and the horns and the background vocals and everything swirling all together into one. And then he breaks it all down, lets it just breathe for a few minutes. You know, there's 11 minutes to fill here. Then develops it into this big climax. Again, pardon the second pun in my review, but it's just masterful. The last couple of minutes of this song, Absolute Bliss. They sound incredible on a good system or on good headphones. The record version of this song absolutely kills. This is the... You need You need a cigarette after this song. Yeah. <laughs> 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 and, a, and a cup of cold coffee and a, and a cold shower, I think. So, this is a great track. One of the greatest opening tracks on a Prince album, Captain.
3: Okay, this song, it's long, it's a, it's an epic, it's an epic track. First of all, you got, everyone said you got jingle bells all the way through, that's fine. You got a funky bass line all the way, yeah. Not as funky as the Electro version from A Beautiful Experience, though. That had the funky bass line. Someone already said it, you've got the cough or sneeze, so then of course he has to do a cough and a sneeze, just in case we don't know what those things really are. He had to do it as well. <laughs> It's great vocal all the way through, great backing vocals, but the best thing on the track, I'm sure everyone says, is the horns. I want to hear an instrumental version of this
2: Oh yeah, with more
3: with with more horns. Just take all the vocals away and just put even more horns. Like that most beautiful girl in the world, there was like a saxophone mix, mix. Let's yeah. do a mix of this with just all horns. It'll be the best thing. It'll just be great.
1: You can actually play it to people then and not feel slightly embarrassed.
3: Exactly. <laughs> highly embarrassed, but it's, oh, the horn's just great. I hear this song, it's got three distinct parts. I don't have a name for them, but part one ends around four minutes, and then part two ends around nine minutes, and then you get into, like, the, the third part. And I'm sure there's, like, Scandalous Sex Suite had, like, the three hmm. sections, like, the, the rapture and the passion. And the, was it the crime, the passion, the rapture? The
2: rapture, rapture. yeah.
3: I'm sure, you know, someone could come up with three names for these three sections. Does it? Does anyone else hear, like, those three? They're, like, distinct yeah, to me. Definitely. I'm sure there's appropriate sexually related names you could name those sections with, but someone else can do that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that's not what I'm here for. Some, he he hits some great high notes around 9.50, 2, 3, 4. And I love the outro, the little horn outro. It's very, very power fantastic Yeah. It's really nice. It's, it's a nice end. And uh, that's all i am going to say about that one.
0: Okay, okay. Thanks, Captain, for rounding that out. Wow, what a long track. 11 minutes. We probably spoke for 22 minutes about it. Let's go into track number two, which is Space. And Player, why don't you lead us off into this?
2: Okay, the first thing that captures my ear is the dreamy keyboard synths that open the track, gives the song a real space feel, and then it goes into that really cool bouncy bass line. I mean, give it up for Sunny T on that one. That's <laughs> awesome. And the synth line, the lead line part is really electronic and funky. The lyrics are really interesting listen, not just this track, but pretty much this whole album. Um, some of the real highlights are a page of face upon my ceiling, I stare at it all the time. And, um, with eyes that fall somewhere between rubies and stars. I mean, talk about pure poetry. You can get really deep into the song if you concentrate hard enough. It's great. And then to top it all off, you've got the maxi single where you have the universal love remix where it practically rewrites the song and the funky stuff remix, which turns it a bit into a, like a hip hop club banger. It's a really cool ass track.
0: I really like it. Okay. Okay. Toe jam.
1: I like the song too. Uh it's it's kind of similar to come in, in in the tempo and the groove. And so, in that sense, I find I kind of, it gets a bit lost when I'm listening to it on the album. I think if, if this was the opening track, I'd probably made it higher, because it is a really good song. Some little sneaky bits. I like the little click going on. It's like a finger click every second bar on beat 4 and, which is yeah. just sort of there all the way through. That's a nice little effect. And I like the second verse. And actually, as I was listening to this and I wrote down, oh, there's the second verse, there's different stuff, you know, stuff happening in the background. I thought, you know, he does that a lot, actually. Like, he has the first verse he has the chorus then the second verse comes along and and to make it a bit more interesting there's he adds that that's when he starts to play around with the arrangement a bit and in this one it's all like little harps and pluck strings and things like that and i thought now that i think about it he does that a lot like it's a really interesting compositional tool you know like when it comes around to the second verse rather than just doing it all the same you you change it a bit you add some little effects and take something out here and there just uh it, it feels like it's moving along yeah. And in the background of the song, you've got this, like, loop of this, ooh, ah, like, that just sort of runs pretty well all the way through the song.
3: So, if, if anything, it's
1: probably a bit too thick, I think. I think there might be just too much, not too much at ha- what is happening. It's just, it's all a bit too rich and thick. I think maybe a stripped down, it would have been a bit better. That's just my opinion. But I think the highlight of the song is at 4.05 when that high-pitched synth comes in. They're playing this real sort of Asian-y pentatonic thing. It only lasts for, like, 20 seconds. But uh, when that note comes in, it's like, ah, oh, that's really nice. Oh, and the other thing is, there's a really interesting lyric in here uh, where he says, I've, n- I've never been one to hide my feelings. And you think, oh, well, that's all very well. But later on in the album, he says something different. So, I'll come back to that when we get to that song. Interesting.
0: Yeah, I, I kind of disagree with you, Toe Jam, about that it's t- there's too much or it's too packed out or it's too dense. There's certainly a lot of elements in it.
1: I know where you're going. On the vinyl, it all makes sense.
0: (laughs) (laughs) How did you know I was going to say that? Yeah, the soundstage on the vinyl is better, but let's not go into that. So, the thing is, this song is, um, you know, like Player said, it's this dreamy pop track. But to me, whenever I listen to it, And especially when I heard it very recently, I can't help but think of how spacey it sounds, uh, for lack of a better term. And it sounds very wide and very kind of, it's obviously, it's dense, but it's got a width and a proportion to it. I think there's some panning from, from channel to channel. And he uses the synths in a very in a very cool way. Instead of just playing a chord and then, you know, letting it fade out and then replacing it with another chord, what he'll do is he'll just mix it all up. You, like, you'll be listening to- In one channel, if you're listening on headphones, he'll have- You'll start one chord and that chord might go for 10 seconds, but five seconds into that chord, a second chord started and yeah. so that goes for seven seconds. So, then you've got this really weird overlay and it happens a few times throughout this track if you listen closely. That's cool. But this to me, you know, this came out in what, 94, right? And he was probably working on it back in 93. I immediately think of Simply Red as far as the percussive nature of the sound. Um, what if the hell? If anyone is familiar... <laughs> If anyone is familiar with the Simply Red Album Stars, which is probably or is the most commercially successful Simply Red Album of all time, listen to some of those tracks, some of those songs, and compare them to this production-wise and as far as how the drums are programmed. Very, very similar effects. Maybe it's just my observation. But look, I like the kind of spoken word in the verses, versus singing approach of the chorus and all the background vocal work that's happening and the kind of faint bass that comes in and out in certain parts of the song. That works really well with those airy type synths and the percussive sound effects and the drum programming. And the drums, the whole programming nature of the song is really dense, but it's really bright sounding as well. Um, the, The trebles are definitely a highlight in this track and it is dreamy. It's very dreamlike. The only other thing I could say is there's little elements in this that I like to listen to, like the finger clicks... You know, the rim shots, there's some background, what sounds like breathing noises and, you know, there's some wind here and there. And then there's some of the lyrics. You're the reason there's bass in my boom. Always like that one. But it's also interesting to go into some of the other lyrics. I mean, I painted your face upon my ceiling i stare at it all the time that's an interesting one Um, stalker alert stalker yeah exactly (laughs) then there's if you and i were just 10 feet closer then i'd make you understand everything i want to do stalker alert stalker alert (laughs) (laughs) everything i want to do to your body baby i would do to your head I thought
2: you said hand. Yeah. In the Maxi single, in the front cover, there's lyrics printed in there and it says hand.
0: Is it? Yeah. Because okay. I hear, I hear Surely hand. hear not. I hear head. I hear hand once and then head the other time, but I thought hand? Hmm.
2: Well, the lyrics in the actual Maxi okay. single, which is interesting because there's no lyrics in the actual album, but it has the lyrics to this and it says hand.
0: Okay. Well, look, whether it's hand or head... It's still, it's curious to know what he means by that. If he's saying everything I want to do to your body baby, I want to do to your head, that makes perfect sense. But- That's right, yeah. Everything I want to do to your body baby, I want to do to your hand (laughs) is a kind of contradiction in terms. So, that's strange don't you want to go the space where the souls go the space where the tears flow the space where the love grows do you want to go it's very kind of ambient almost any isn't it <laughs> yeah uh, new age type stuff I really like this song I'll finish off by saying the last interesting element that I noticed was he sings the verses in in a low low pitch but then the bridge and the chorus if you can call it that is completely in falsetto i I thought that was an interesting uh, effect and element. And it's actually a very open sounding song. It's hypnotic and it's open and it just flourishes when you listen to it on a, on a good piece of equipment. Captain. Yes. Space.
3: I like this song. It's got, it's got this nice groovy beat when it all gets going. The The percussion is what makes this track. If you took out all the percussion stuff... I think this would be super boring. I mean, all the different stuff that's going on and it's bouncing left to right the whole song. Without that, it'd be just nothing, I think. And you got all the, you got these lush backing vocals, which you know, that's what he does. But there doesn't seem to be much to this track, instrument-wise. There's not much else going on. And on the other hand, it sounds so busy, but there's not much going on. It's weird. And there's little drum fills all over the place when you listen to it. And little keyboard bits woven in and out here and there. And, of course, classic Prince, just in case we're not sure we're really in space, there's, like, these NASA transmissions, just to make sure we know it's the song's (laughs) about space. (laughs) (laughs) Of
1: course. No police siren, though. So we're clearly in space because um, there's no police siren. There's
3: no police, police scanner, yeah. <laughs> no police scanner, so we're not in space. I like his vocals, 230 to 226. That's good. I like the mix between like the breathy vocals and the synth strings. They sort of blend together here and there. Um, That's all I've got to say about space.
1: I just wanted to add something. When MC brought up the beat having the sort of moans going on in the background i think heaps of songs on this album have that like they have the beat going and then looped within it is like this moaning you know like a woman moaning
2: yeah
1: uh which is you know pretty interesting yeah space definitely has it come might have it but it's it's an interesting
0: effect uh a third track on this album very interestingly titled song pheromone pheromone the song is called pheromone yeah (laughs) track number three pheromone Captain.
3: Yes. I want to roll. Let's go.
0: Pheromone.
3: This song starts, come. And then a huge wave sound. Um, I thought it was really funny. Like the first one or two times, and then the first, after like 80 times, I was over it after that. <laughs> you
0: were over it after 80 times. Well, <laughs> yeah, I, think he's done, I think he's done well.
3: <laughs> I came Sorry as I remember. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, by the third song, it's, it's all over anyway.
1: Jeez. Captain. <laughs> Captain Spent by the third song. So. <laughs> you
3: got, you, got, 11 minutes. you got 11 minutes and then another, like, what, four? That's it. That's 15 minutes. I'm done. Forget it.
0: It's <laughs> done twice over.
3: <laughs> as far as I remember, this first ad, it was like there was an instrumental version on something on BET, like some music video show. And that was, like, I think way before the album even came out. But it's got a killer beat, this song. The drum, the drum sound, the snare. Holy moly. It's got a sound. Yep. the drums and bass on this just sound like one thing they're just so they're mixed together so well it's just good stuff and then again like in space you got these big breathy synth pads going ah oh, la 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 all the way through I like Prince doing his uh, like racing announcer voice all through the first verse and the chorus I have no idea what he's saying does anyone know what I'm talking about
2: yeah I know what yes. you're talking about oh, yeah. yeah he's announcing yeah.
3: like the horse race you know
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> horse race
3: I don't know what he's saying, but I just like that sound. It sounds good. I want to hear this in a club. This would the drums and bass in this—they'd just kill everyone. Everyone would just die. It'd be yeah. so good. <laughs>
0: yeah, you're right about that.
3: It just sounds so good. It just sounds dirty. It'd be great. Mostly falsetto vocal performance, but he could have made this. I reckon he could have made this song even better if he sang it in a. Uh, imagine the same way he sang. My name is Prince. Imagine if he sang this song like that, mm. and he just really pushed his voice. Oh, this song would have—it'd just, just kill everyone. Everyone would just die as soon as they heard it. It'd be so good. Yeah, that's all. That's a good song.
0: Okay. Pheromone. Wow.
3: Pheromone.
0: There's some weird echo <laughs> vocals in the background. They're just trippy. I don't know. Like, Captain, I don't know what he's saying.
3: It's a horse race.
0: Then, <laughs> then there's what sounds like some wooden <laughs> wheelbarrow racing, more like it. But... <laughs> It sounds like some wooden spoons or wooden blocks being... Wood block? Wood block being cut <laughs> into each other. I don't know what he's doing. The Russian spoon dance. Yeah,
3: it was about this time he discovered the wood block.
0: <laughs> <laughs> the knee tap. The knee tap. Yeah, just, just before he discovered the cowbell in 1994. Uh, oh. With some jingly keyboards coming in as well. This is just ridiculous, some of these lyrics. I'm helpless as a pet when your body's wet. I mean, come on.
3: <laughs> see, Hannah, hey, that lyric, now, I always, I think that's what it is, when your body's wet, but I always hear him say, when your body sweats. Every time I hear now, it, that's what well,
0: I hear. Then he goes on to say, when I see your naked body sweat, body sweat. Yeah. Oh, and, maybe I'm you know, mixing it up. They're very obvious lyrics. I love them. They're just so overt and really obviously just nasty, really, <laughs> when you think about it. And there's something great about that. There's something great about listening to that, you know. It's like this is probably a bad example, but I was listening to um many many months ago. I was listening to Planet Earth. Just pulled it out of the top drawer, you know, and wow. all, all the Midnight's came on, and I'm like, oh you God. know, you compare all the Midnight's in the world to Pheromone, and you're like, is this <laughs> is this by the same guy, or am I just am I dreaming? <laughs> is this all just a bad dream? Wake me up. But this is a I got club. a question. I got a question. This is a club banger.
3: Yeah, it is. Was Pheromone an actual? Was that one of the ones he made a perfume?
0: Um, mm,
2: I don't think I so. thought the first one was Get Wild, wasn't it? Yeah.
3: Which was around the same time. Yeah, maybe it was just Get Wild. But I have in my brain that this was as well, but I don't think it was.
2: I think the, the perfume was called Ch- Get Wild, but it was like like marketed as a pheromone thing, maybe. Uh, I don't know. Like yeah. a tagline or something. It's just the name, you know. I think, that's confused yeah. me.
0: There's some disturbing lyrics in this. From, I story's can- The story's Yeah. I can feel the tension through the crack in the door. He begs for love while she's disgusted more. I'm on fire because I've never seen her nude before. He's watching someone do yeah. this to yeah. each other.
1: Stalker alert. Stalker alert. <laughs> <laughs> L- <laughs>
0: Hilarious.
1: You know, Actually, Netflix- I had never thought of that because then later on he says, you know, he the way he's, he's telling the story. Yeah. Yeah, I never thought of that. No, it's a completely
0: storytelling type song. Like, he's doing something while he's doing something. and hmm. Yeah. And Prince is sitting there at the mixing desk just <laughs> playing with the favors. <laughs> but it, her eyes are closed, but there's no penetration. He just makes her point the pistol to his nose while he masturbates. And now I see a tear heading down towards her smile. That is some wow. weird-ass yeah, stuff yeah. happening. That's some wild, wild stuff happening there. Play, you took the word right out of my mouth. But pheromone is absolutely tight. I said this was going to be short. I, I just can't stop myself. This is a mega jam with sex appeal and... An attitude to spare. The combination of themes, atmospheres, lyrical content is nuts. The production is dense. The snare sounds so metallic. The bass rumbles in the jungle. It just rumbles underneath the whole track. It's it's Prince's version of New Jack Swing meets Electro. There's some crazy stuff going on here. Player?
2: Yeah. Uh, musically, there's not much in this song besides the cool dance beat, the funky piano, embellishments, sprinkled throughout. There's some horn samples that go around and around. I think Captain touched on those synth pad things, which kind of reminds me that the same synth pad he uses in Pope, which is kind of around the same era. So in that regard, it's nice and simple, but probably the most interesting thing here, again, are the lyrics. It's Prince being the voyeur and recounting what he sees through the window and what takes place in the, the castle Which kind of, then that brings you back to songs like Darling Nikki, where there was a castle there. You know, as soon as the castle's been mentioned, you know, there's some freaky stuff going on in the castle. So, you know, (laughs) it's a great piece of storytelling. It's twisted. Like the line that you said, I see a tear heading down towards a smile. I mean, who does that? Like, the inspiration is supposedly Carmen Electra for this song. So, this may give you a glimpse into how that relationship went down, but... um, (laughs) He pulled a gat. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Phil Spector style. (laughs) (laughs) But I really like the end where he says, what happens next all depends on your style. So, like, he tells you this story, but he leaves it open for you to end it. He lets the listener use their imagination to finish it off. So, I think that's quite clever the way he does that. Pretty cool song.
0: Interesting.
3: You know he's talking about looking through the window... And somebody said about the police scanner in that song on Chaos and Disorder.
2: Yeah, he does the say guy that.
3: talking. Doesn't he say? You know, he's watching the guy through the window. He's definitely masturbating.
2: Yeah, that's
3: that's the same thing, and it's from wow. the same era.
0: We're putting too. connections together. <laughs> I just thought of that now. <laughs> Do you think Xanali Xanali could be connected to pheromone in such a deep and meaningful way? What was that phrase again, player? <laughs> Deep hidden meaning, Deep D-H-M- hidden meaning. D-H-M, yeah. The D H M between vanilla and pheromone. <laughs> we cover it only, all. Only, right. only the peach and black can figure it <laughs> out yeah, exactly. Yeah. Only nah. we can make such connections. Hey, can I just quickly say, and all, all of us on this show should know this. Nah,
3: pheromone was in Glam Slam Ulysses, but it was just the album version. It wasn't. It was never played live. Yes, uh, that he was still all, That wasn't ever yeah. played it live.
1: That Slam Slam thing, correct me if I'm wrong, that was just like played to tape, dance to tape to playback, whatever you want to call it.
2: Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but you could argue that the sampler set's a similar thing. Oh, but it's, it's not just Prince... a, playback, a, a playback of a song. But Prince
1: I mean? triggered it. Prince triggered it.
0: <laughs> <laughs> His finger pressed on the trigger. His own finger. I'm no. just happy he didn't pull a gat during that sample set. <laughs> 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 okay, who hasn't talked about pheromone yet? I haven't talked about it. Okay. Talk about
1: it. I actually don't have too much to say about this one. It starts with that big C intro which is sort of a theme throughout the album that sort of links it all together, the sort of segues, which kind of works I guess uh, but most of the time they are just a bit of a, an inconvenience. I, I, like I said, I don't have much to say. The, the bass line is just this octave bass, just just the same note, just an octave higher. It's a, it's a really dark groove but I, for me again, it's the same problem as space. It's just, it's similar thick heavy groove after similar thick heavy groove and, it, and I like kind of gets lost for me after the first track these next two just seem a bit under par uh compared to the first track um i know a lot this song has a lot bit of a cult following among prince fans but it's never really it's never really hasn't really hit me yet like there's really only three sections to the song there's there's the you know the groove and the bass and uh, then you've got that sort of crazy piano bit going on, that dun 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 sort of futuristic piano, and then you've got that wah 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 wah, wah that sort of runs through it. And and for me, that that's pretty much it. Like that's the song. I think
0: it's, it's what the song's about. That,
1: having said that, I haven't really looked into the lyrics too much, and and um, that whole voyeur thing. I'm going to listen to it again with that in mind. Uh, And see if I can get something else out of it.
0: But it's not bad. It's a a, a very dark group. Yeah. To to me, it always sounded like, you know, that the voyeur element is, is someone observing this act that's taking place. And the title of this track, it probably points to, to how powerful people's emotions are when it comes to sex, really. You know, when, pe- when one person's attracted to another, they, they can just really lose their, lose their heads, so to speak. Well, I guess I, said, it's, I it's all about, about it's that.
1: all about that sort of animal
0: instinct kind yeah. of thing. So th- yeah, that's I why think I think if- that song's great. I actually think it's a great song because of that. It's not necessarily what you hear, but it's what it's about and the way it's kind of um, presented to you.
2: I think what's clever about it is it's not in the first person. Like, if Prince was doing these things to the girl himself in the song then it'd come off as bad on him but he takes himself out of it out of the picture and it's like what he's observing it's kind of like it's almost like a fantasy that he has but if he sung it in first person that he was doing those things you know it'd be like even more wild so he takes himself out of it and then just is recounting the story and sort of like when he does it in that point of view it you know it doesn't look like he's the bad guy or anything he's like he likes what he sees but he's not the perpetrator of the acts sort of thing so it's interesting when he when he does it that way.
0: I don't know that I actually agree with the last part of what you said. I don't get the impression at all that he likes or enjoys what he's looking at. I just think it's like a, a commentary on that kind of behaviour, on some of the strange stuff, some when of the strange says, things that when people he says, do. I'm
2: on I'm on fire and all that stuff. Like he's watching it, but he's like he's getting aroused as well.
0: Yes, yeah, see, yeah. I always I always got that that I took that the meaning the other way. I thought I'm on fire I meant like he's livid. He's like.
2: Oh, he's, okay. he's losing like he's his stuff. Yeah. Right.
0: Like, for example, the stuff that he does. Oh, but when he
1: says, like, you know, when I see your naked
0: body sweat, is he? It getting- sounds
2: like he's getting turned on by it as well, sort of thing.
0: Yeah, possibly. Who knows? Well, we'll ask him one day. When he's on the show, we'll say... Oh,
2: yeah, that's you a were... great one. That's a great one. Out of all the questions <laughs> we get to ask him.
0: Prince, Prince. first of all, thanks for coming on the show on the Peter Bloke <laughs> podcast. And, you know, you you know we're massive fans of yours. And first we always... off, pheromone. Yeah, we, always speak... we start with pheromone, yeah. Yeah, we always speak our mind. And f- pheromone goes into some more craziness, doesn't it? With track number four. Let's go straight into it. Loose. that's my best impression um are there any fans in the house play i'm staring at you uh, no, kind okay. of. I okay. mean,
2: like, yeah, when it first came out, it took me completely off guard because Prince was doing this song on the Act 1 tour, and it was more of an R&B funk song. It was mixed in with Party Man. But on the album here, it's such a departure, it's hard to describe. What would you call it? Industrial dance techno? Mm. I don't know. I mean, mm-hmm. I like the song. I don't like the one, two, three, four screaming part. But again, musically, there's nothing that stands out per se. It just sounds like a big mix of samples... The lyrics, again, are standout, get your education first, then buy a pair of shoes. I mean, that's pretty cool. And I like the way he calls out the parts, like uh, guitar solo and turn around and on the one. I like it when he does that. So when you listen to it on headphones, like the way the backing vocals pan around from left to right, it's like it's spinning in your head. It's like loose and it's going from left to right. And yeah, that's pretty cool. I don't know, it's just a bit too industrial and sounding for me. It's cool. It's a cool song, but I wouldn't okay. rate it as like one of my all time favourites, but yeah, it's hmm. a good song.
1: Alright. Toe Jam. Loose. Other than the last track, which isn't really a track at all, this is the most skippable song on the
0: oh, album. Oh, you're
1: uh, kidding. Uh, no, this this doesn't do anything oh, for me, this song. You are joking. It, it sounds like you know, this sort of industrial techno thing was happening in the early 90s, like the Prodigy and this kind of thing is starting to build. This just sounds like a cheap imitation attempt at it. <laughs> and it's just It seems a bit throwaway. I don't know. It's just the bass just sounds really cheesy to me. There. Dun, 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 dun. It's really cliche industrial techno. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> and it's just like the arrange, like there's like the player said, there's some cool effects and things going on. Like, there's bells and whistles there, but there's nothing, no meat on it for me. And even that guitar solo on the one, you know, like, it, it, it almost seems like, how am I, what am I going to do with this song? Oh well, I'll just do a section here of the guitar solo and then I'll chuck this on it. And yeah, I'm not really, I don't really get this song. I've tried a few times and just, I can't get it. The only interesting lyric though is that what player said, get your education and go and buy a pair of shoes. Like, that's just weird and that like, you know, it's this dark techno song and I'm sure people listening to the stuff like the Prodigy and all this, the last thing they want to hear is go and get your education. They want to hear, no, you know, go and stuff F youth to the man and all this kind of thing. And yet, Prince is <laughs> out there, go and get your education and buy a pair of shoes. <laughs>
2: no, I think it's, I think he's, t- he's trying to connect with teenagers and, um, yeah. But you know, I think how, that's like, what I mean.
1: At the time, yeah. the whole thing was like, you know, rebelling against... I don't know. That's how I see it. And yet, his Prince... Yeah. He's always been know. like that, actually. He's always been yeah. slightly like, yeah. you know, pro, very very much pro-education, which is good. I shouldn't say yeah. that it's bad, but it just seems a bit off in this song. Yeah. Anyway. But I guess the other thing is, I always imagine this song is just about him on stage and he's seeing like this young girl, like just going nuts in, in the front row. And it's like, yeah, it's just, you know, come up to the front and just go nuts you know, to my show. Yeah. That's what it's about, so. which is good in that sense, but I don't, I don't
0: really get the song. Wow, <laughs> how I disagree with what you've just said. <laughs> save
2: it, save it, MC. Tell us what's really good about it.
0: What isn't really good about this track? This is a nuts song. I listen to this and I think to myself, what's happened? What's happened since this sound, since this song, since this type of music? Where did this sound go? This is the stuff. For me, personally, lyrically, it's- there's not a lot to it, right? It's just- it's very carnal, it hits you straight into your gut, it's metallic, sure, it sounds like it's a rave and that bubbling bass and heaps of low end and, you know, he's yelling out guitar solos left, right and centre and turnarounds and very unrestrained. That's what I love about it. You never hear... When was the last time you put on a Prince album recently in the last 15 years and you heard something as unrestrained as this? It's mm. this unrestrained, unrestrained dance-oriented groove, attitude galore, doesn't give a care in the world, just loose with a, with an uh, exclamation <laughs> mark at the end, you know? Listen to his vocals in this song, the power in his voice. There's a bit of a, you know, social commentary, quote unquote, but the majority of it is like just physical energy. That's what I love about this track. Many, many years ago when I first heard it, I used to skip it. Every time I put this album on, I used to skip this song. I was like, what is up with this dance beat? Now, I love it. I love the panning and the effects and the the programming in it and just the whole mix. It sounds so fresh. And sure, it sounds like a song from the early to mid-90s. But there's just something that breaks through whenever I put it on. It just breaks through my speakers and the whole living room comes alive, you know. The breakdown sounds just freaky. And, you know, he yells out for for Michael and for Sonny. I don't even know that they're part of this track and, and, Mm. you know, Tommy Babarello. The guitar solo is just freaky. Freaking insane It's it's awesome And if you listen to the guitar solo It's not just like he's done it and he's looped it Every time he plays it just slightly differently You know Like it's one note longer or one note shorter It's just loose Emphatic Cool What can you say about this song Remember when I was talking about Steve Albini I was talking about bringing in another producer Someone who just Programs and, and records and edits stuff really raw This is it
1: This like, is like, this is I, I Prince got bat, I got a butt in here <laughs> Like you put this on and then go and listen to, like, the Chemical Brothers or the Prodigy from what they were doing at this time. This is, like, piss weak compared to that. <laughs>
3: <stuff>.
1: <laughs> I don't know that I agree with you. <laughs> I mean, by Princess Anne, it, it's not a bad attempt, but I don't know.
3: So, you'd rather he didn't attempt it at all?
1: Well, no, it's fine for him to attempt it. I'm not, like, it just doesn't do anything for me. It just It sounds like an attempt. You're
0: right, okay? You, I can see both sides of the fence. You're, right? making, you're making a comparison to the Chemical Brothers. I mean, you know...
2: And that's- this is all they do.
0: Yeah. I I agree with you on that point. The point is-
2: In Prince standards, it's a big jump for him. But in comparison to the genre he's trying to imitate, it's not.
0: No, it's not. But it's not that far off. Like, I could see with some more work and some more time spent investigating this kind of music, I think he could do- he could go deeper into it. And maybe this is the thing that's exciting me about it, to Jam's point. I'm not really into comparing- I'm I'm not going to start comparing that to- this song to other songs in the same genre, but this is like just really different, and not really different like all oh, the midnights in the world are walking sand. Different. Mm-hmm. This is like really different in a completely different direction, and just balls hanging out, you know? It's Just um, I agree. Like balls it- hanging it's-
2: loose, loose, bro. Yeah, exactly.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I love this. Where did where did Prince go? <laughs> Where did he go? Come back to this. I mean, you can never do it. What am I talking about? But the thing is, there's just something so raw and primal about the way this, this comes across, the way it's programmed and it's performed. I love it.
3: We were just talking about, do you want him to keep doing the same old crap? Do you want him to give up? Or do you want him to try something experimental? Hmm. This is what he did in this track. Oh, know? yeah. Don't get me wrong. Like,
1: I would probably prefer an album of this sort of stuff. Just- for him to try it than you know another kind of musicology kind of album and I, I'd be like as a Prince fan I'd be more interested in hearing that but I probably in the long run I probably wouldn't if the songs were this quality I probably wouldn't get much out of it in the long
0: oh, wow. run <laughs> this, is, this is the kind of song that I would think he would record and never release the fact that he put this on an album makes me so happy the fact that anytime I feel like it, I can put this track on whether it's the vinyl version or the CD version and just absolutely turn it up to 11 and just feel the energy and the emotion in what he's trying to convey—I love it.
1: Well, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna up you on that one and say I think this is the kind of song that the contractual obligation thing. Oh, they want more songs. Oh, I chuck that loose song on. <laughs>
3: <laughs> all
1: right,
0: all right. You could be. Well- you- You could be correct. There is something to
3: that, though, because he did pull off Endorphin Machine and a bunch of other songs, which he thought, you know, were too good to give to Warners for the last Prince album. And so then you could say, well, this is the one he left on the album to give to them. So he he obviously didn't think that much of it.
2: I heard something different, though. I heard Endorphin Machine and Interactive were pulled off because he bought out the Interactive game and that was credited as the symbol. So he couldn't put it on a Prince album.
3: There was other songs as well which yeah. were pulled as well. Yeah. Because he, he gave this album to Warners like four different times and they kept saying no, no, no. And he kept and because they kept saying no, he kept taking off the good songs and making it worse and worse. And I think it was like the fourth time he just said, that's all you're going to get, which is just funny. They kept saying, no, it's not good enough. So he just made it worse and worse, which is hilarious.
2: Do you think it's a bad album? Or are you were going to uh, get to we'll, that at the end?
3: We'll, we'll get to that.
2: Well, what do you think of this song? Which side of the fence you sit on?
3: Yeah, it's my go now. Yeah. This is one of my favorite tracks on this album, Mr. I Toe Jam. It.
1: There you go. <laughs> See, I can imagine Captain liking this. I'm surprised MC does. <laughs> it's just a, a,
3: it's just like Pheromone. It's got this killer beat, even though it's totally different to Pheromone. It's just got this killer beat and the drums and the bass, they just wipe out everything. And um, I love the chorus lyrics. I mean, any chorus which says, shake your motherfucking do loose. That's one of my. going to be one of my favourite songs. It's just got to be. I don't care. I mean, when this came out, this was... Oh, we've said this about a few other songs, but this sounded like the, the futuristic... Well, I wouldn't call it funk, but something else. It's just dirty and grimy industrial something. But then you can say it's industrial and it's got guitar solos all over it. And the tone on those guitar solos just kills me every time. And still you've got these breathy synth pads all over the place, just floating around. Okay, there's a lyric in this song. Someone explain this to me. It's it's at 250, and he says, "This is what I hear." If you look real close, I've even got your power tools. Now that doesn't make any sense to me.
1: New power tools.
2: Is it a garden? T- t- is it garden tools or something?
3: See, I've I've heard. Of, sometimes I think it's power tools. Other times I think I've heard garden tools. Other times I've heard I've even got your body too. So every time I hear something different.
1: I can't think of the lyric you're referring to, but new power tools would make sense because it's like, you know, the new, tools new, of the new power generation.
2: New power pro tools. <laughs> <laughs> but like in the video, like when he says that line, he grabs my teeth. So like I always interpreted it as I've got your woman as well.
3: But why would he say garden tools? Does, is that a joke to say ho? Is that what he's saying? Yes, yes. Is that it?
2: Yeah, it's a play on words of ho,
3: yeah. Oh, there you go. That makes sense then.
2: Yeah, Mm. it's kind of like, yeah, he's talking to, like, the shoe reference was like, you know, all these kids are sneaker pimping and they, like, idolize a pair of shoes over their education.
0: Air Jordans, basically.
2: Yeah, and then you've got, it's kind of like. You think you're tough, and you know, you know, I've got this, you know. And, but he's saying like, I've got your hoe, I've got, I've got the bank, the crew, you know. He's like, he's, he's trying to like tell you what time it is in the song, you know. And he does it with the urgency <laughs> and everything. So it's yeah, it's pretty cool.
3: I had Air Jordans in 1994. What are you trying to say?
2: Hmm. I had Reebok pumps. <laughs> yeah, the
3: pumps. That's where it was at. <laughs> that's where it's at. Uh-huh.
1: <laughs> that that was cool. The pumps and the Air Jordans is like a rivalry. <laughs>
3: <laughs> anyway, that's a good right. song. Top so, it, Sonny. There you go.
1: Okay.
0: Papa. Oh papa. Smack smack.
1: Toe jam. Okay, well, this is a, an awesome song coming off that last one. Great storytelling. Brilliant storytelling. It just, it broods. It's a very brooding song. I love the hi-hat in this song. It's just um, sort of tinkering along. It sort of gives you this impression that, yeah, there's something going on in this story. Uh, and the snare in this song is, is amazing. It doesn't come in at the beginning. I think it comes in when he says, you know, he was snatched by his puppet and then the snare comes in. And yeah. from that moment, that's when the song starts to build. I think This is going places. Yeah. So obviously he's telling this story about this child, and and you get to the the smack part, and he's like smack, and you, the snare goes with it. And you you, hear, you feel the pain of that smack when he sings that. Yeah. But then he follows it up with that ooh papa, and it's kind of ooh, it's a bit, it's a bit odd. It's almost like I don't it's know like how to s- say it. Like
0: sado sadomasochistic.
1: Yeah, a little bit. It's kind of weird. But it adds to the the mystery and the and the weirdness of the song. And you got that lightning effect that comes in. But I think, like, the the vocals in this song are just, they're devastating. They they pierce straight through, I find. Amazing vocal, but, like, so emotional. Just straight, so, like, crusty, his vocal. That it really hits home. The most interesting line in this is when the father says, like, how come I don't love my woman? And then, boom. Well, that's pretty dark stuff, like. No holding back. But then you've got this whole section at the end. You know, don't abuse children. Or you will turn out like me. The meaning behind that is very is very vague. Is, is he saying that he was abused, or is he yeah. saying that because he's got this reputation of being this freak? Like, does that make sense? Like, yeah,
2: I know what you're saying. So yeah.
1: Is it was he saying he was abused, or was he saying they'll turn out like a freak, like me? Like you guys all think I'm a freak. Um. So I find that very interesting. Uh, I love all the way. And then from that song point on, there's this trigger on the snare that sounds like something popping. And so and then Michael B's like da 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 on the snare. Yeah. And that's killer and then it's just like this big hendrix guitar bit at the end it's, it's a brilliant song uh and then it finishes on that you know always a rainbow you know just finishing on a positive note but what a dark story but what an amazing way of telling that story yeah i think it's brilliant and i love the video too the video is really cool the way everything's sort of still and he's got that red or orange jacket on
0: with all the lights it's really interesting Whoa! <laughs> wow, wow. <laughs> Captain,
3: totally disagree. Oh
0: wow! Oh, oh wow. you're kidding.
3: Go for uh, it. With with uh, several things, this song is so fake to me. What? Uh, it sounds so forced. I don't think there's any real emotion there at all. Ever since I first heard it, it's always come off as such a fake-sounding song. I'm not a big fan of this, except for the end part. That's just excellent.
1: When he sings that line, um, "How come I don't love my woman?" The, like that, his vocals there is piercing. Like, yeah.
3: It is a good vocal.
1: He may be telling a story, and it may not be, like, you know, directly from his own experience, but, like, it comes across, like, he's bringing that emotion across.
3: Ah, not to me. That is a good vocal bit right there, but I don't get any sort of, you know, honesty from it. Wow. It's just a good vocal. He could be singing about a... These garden tools again wouldn't make any difference to me. I mean, I don't mind the groove of the music. It's just the lyrics I don't like them. I mean, I...
1: Is it because you think it's like he's trying to give a false story of his own upbringing? No, I don't think
3: it's that. I mean, we don't know what happened. If it is based in some sort of reality, then fine. But I don't think it is. And I think, again, we have no idea. But just say, for someone who had no experience in this, to write a song like this, that just doesn't work for me. It's like 16-year-old girls singing about, you know, country songs about love and all this crap, which they have no experience in at all. It just sounds it's, so fake. It's,
1: yeah, but it's, it's, just, it's a story. It's like whether or not it's true to me doesn't really affect how I perceive the song, I think.
3: Uh, oh, it does to me. It's just always sounded fake.
1: Hmm.
3: Right near the start of the song, there's like this paper rustling, like his lyrics. Yeah, yeah, it yeah. is so tacked on. It annoys me to death <laughs> every time. Because you listen to it on headphones, it's so obviously placed there. Yeah, it it is. It didn't just happen. It's so... Oh, it annoys me so much. (laughs) See, that's straight off the start of this song, it's annoying me to death. And he hasn't even said a word yet. (laughs)
0: It's and it's just, only 2 minutes and 48 seconds long, too.
3: I know, I know. I mean, I love the sound of the bass and the guitars. I like how the music doesn't even change through the chorus. It just, it's just the same. The only thing is you get the, the snare hits coming later on. Apart from that, it's the same all the way through. But it's just the lyrics. I just wonder what made him write a track like this with this sort of lyrical content. It's not a topic many people cover in a song. Yeah, but the
1: fact, the fact that he's covering it is good.
3: yeah. I don't know. It's just not something I'm comfortable listening to. Yeah, it's not easy to listen to.
0: Yeah, it's not something you put on.
2: Yeah, for your friends. Yeah,
0: Yeah, you get home from work, you put your feet up, you make a glass of wine, you have some stir-fry. I'm going to listen to the child abuse song. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) No,
3: No, I just don't like it. The only thing I like is at the end get the best bit starts I think 217 I just want a whole song like that if he did a whole song that music and that lyrics I wouldn't care so much but the the fact that he tries to make it like a dark you know depressing story with the music as well it just doesn't work he's done other songs where he's done like sad lyrics and happy music and the other way around but to do this I just I just don't like it just the last bit it's just rock your head off it's excellent and then there's the line there's always a rainbow at the end of every rain At the same time he's singing that, there's like this guitar going as well with this big wah-wah. It just sounds really good. But yeah, the first part of the song, you can just chuck that.
0: Wow. Jeez. Oh, player. Are you going to agree or disagree with that?
2: It is a strange song. It's basically a blues, opens up with some nice guitar. And yeah, I had down here the first 10 seconds that little audio bite of the paper rustling. Oh... But yeah, it does seem like it's deliberately put in there. It's like not a mistake or whatever. But what do you um, think
1: that's trying to symbolise? Like rolling no a cigarette idea. or something. That's what I've
2: always heard it as. No, I don't. I, don't I have know. no idea. But it just I always w- thought it was like his lyric papers. Oh, okay. Yeah.
3: Which proves it's not true. He's just reading it off a paper. If it was his own personal experience, it would be in his head, but he's reading it off a paper.
0: No one's saying it's his own personal experience there.
3: No, but mm. I just said that.
0: Yeah, yeah. other than he's you.
3: Putting that paper, like that rustling paper in there, that, that says, I'm reading this off a paper. No. To me.
2: I think it's cool to play something so random in the song. It just makes it a little bit interesting. I don't know. You have the thunderstorm samples come in, so the tone becomes a bit darker. The song is more spoken than sung. And if you listen to the story and you think like it's Prince narrating a tale between the papa and the four-year-old. But, you know, it gets to a point in the music where he stops and declares, you know, don't abuse children or turn out like me. And then you start to question if it's autobiographical at that point. But then again, there's other lyrics in there which suggests it's not like parental suicide and all that. So the subject matter is very heavy and the issues raised are very serious. And as a listener, it's a bit hard to digest and comprehend it. But sonically, it's amazing. I agree with Toe Jam, Michael B, when he comes in with the snare snaps. I like the sound of his kit. And then you have the last minute of the song where the tempo changes and it really rocks out. Yes. And yeah, like you guys said with the last line, there's always a rainbow at the end of every rain. It's a nice way to round out the song. And it's not, you know, it's not to say it's a happy ending, but Prince gives hope to the conclusion of it all, which doesn't make the song a total downer. So it's shortest to the point it's very interesting. And it's an interesting inclusion to his overall catalogue.
3: That bit where he says, don't abuse children or it's a turnout like me. Hmm. That, to me, is totally not referencing any autobiographical thing. That's just his sense of humor, saying, yeah, yeah so- everyone thinks I'm a freak.
2: Sometimes I view it like that as well, yeah. Yeah, it oh, just depends. It's I, like, I, I don't know how to interpret that line, whether it's personal or a joke or no, like I only t- black I humor. Only I don't know. I don't know yeah, what it is. I only it, take that as the joke. But see, the subject matter is so... St- serious and heavy like you, you know and then he and then he has if you, to if you question it as a joke you know but
3: you I think th-
1: it's in, I think it's more like the whole thing's kind of crazy like it's bordering on insane as well in terms of you know and then he took aimed and died almost like oh well like it's sort of who cares Kind of, it's weird the way he says that, like, then he took aim and died. Like, oh well, it's weird. because it,
2: the song's called Papa. It's not focusing on the child. It's it's about how the problems are really with the father figure, but he just yeah. takes it out on the child. The child's got nothing to do with it, really. The child just becomes the victim of the problems the Papa has. Mm. So
0: yeah, it is a weird. I, it's a weird song. I always oh,
3: took that line as just that's his. That's his. You know, his sense of humour.
0: I think I, don't, I know. I, don't I think have to I know why you. at all? I don't know. He's being funny about it, you know. Okay, so I think it's um completely brilliant, just like ToeJam from the from the references to crying babies to smacking to the spoken word and then the screams to what sounds like a harp or something similar eerily tickling away under the rhythm. You know, it opens with that distanced. Distorted guitar sound. The guitar itself sounds like a thunderstorm, and I'm I'm convinced that it is. Some cool effects, some some cool pedals that he's obviously plugged his, his his guitars into. This is a gutsy song, and I agree with everyone who said that the coda or the final part of the song is energetic and great because it is. But really, this track is. Overall, just ballsy. To me, just like Loose and Pheromone and to a lesser extent, come. You know, so far, we're just over halfway through this album review. And to me, this is the experimental side of Prince, the risk taker. He's taken a chance here. Yeah. And I think this is one of those songs that other artists might leave in their um in the vault, so to speak. But he's really he's really putting it out there, and I commend him for that. This is a this is a, in two minutes and forty eight seconds. The guy achieves a lot. It's very raw.
1: I think this song. I was just thinking, has he sort of done this thing before? And I thought the closest, like going back before this, what album would this fit best on? I reckon it would fit best on Purple Rain.
3: Well, yeah, yeah, if you're talking like, about the dad killing himself.
1: Well, not, not just that, but the sound of it as well, the sort, of, the sort of rock thing going on. Like, he had other rock songs, but nah, never this
0: raw since Purple Rain, I don't think. I'd say Sign of the Times. I reckon it would have fit much better on that.
1: Yeah, I can see it going on there as well.
2: But there's a correlation, too, because he calls the kid baby, and then in Purple Rain he was called the kid yeah
1: not so much storyline t- but a, even in the storyline
2: too like it's like the dad was pretty you know he had his own problems in Purple Rain like and you know he took it out on the family so there is a little bit of a correlation there as well
0: but that was a movie
2: oh yeah it's That's a movie I mean. but like people always ask Prince that question is yeah. like is it like autobiographical that, mm, and he nice. said oh, there's you know for the most part no but there's little bits here and there and it's just a story that was kicked up and all that mm. same with this there could be elements. In there that he relates to But generally, if you look at the song as a whole You know, you wouldn't say it's an autobiographical song
0: Yeah, alright, alright
3: I reckon there, yeah, there has to be some
2: truth in it Or I don't think he would have even touched this topic
0: He wouldn't have released
2: it Something's inspired him to put pen to paper
0: Speaking of inspiration and pen to paper Why don't we go into track number 6 It's another single word race. Race Blood is red, I gotcha. And speaking of this track, why don't we start it off with Toe Jam?
1: Uh this is an okay song. I don't mind it. I enjoy it when it comes on. The beat and the bass line sound a little cheap to me, though. I think it could have done with a bit more production in on that sense. Compared to the other songs, this has probably the weakest, like just in terms of sound of the bass and drums. Uh, I don't know if you guys agree there. No. Yeah, the, 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 the bass <laughs> sounds a bit. The bass sounds a bit keyboardy bass to me. I haven't got a whole lot to say about it because it's kind of the same sort of groove all the way through and it's you know the verse and chorus etc but i'm going to go on to lyrics a bit there's some that i really agree with and some that i don't Ooh. interesting one talking so fast that they don't even know what they mean i think that's a really good lyric because a lot of people do that including me sometimes thank god the same monopoly that's a really funny line i think that's that's great
3: but you know the problem with that line is it's wrong is it because you he says they make it a, but there's not start it's go oh, it's technically <laughs> Wait, wrong <we're... laughs> it is incorrect
0: you heard it first there's
3: there's no start in Monopoly you go back to go not start but that hold on arrive. let me just get
0: let me just get the Harper brothers on the phone we'll see <laughs>
3: even when you watch even when you watch the video watch the beautiful experience watch the race video you can see the big go thing in the corner and he's still singing go back to start I'm like can you read it it's right in front of you crikey <laughs>
1: Hmm, all right. <laughs> you heard it first Now, the, the best lyric in this song The best lyric in this song is uh, You know, we're all bones when we're dead Cut me, cut you, both the blood is red That's a great yeah. lyric And, and a very is. clear and direct to the point statement About what he's trying to talk about mm-hmm. uh, Which I think is very important But there's a few later on that I've questioned If we never heard about the evils before Committed before us And uh, you know, down with history Down with H-I-S-T-O-R-Y and
3: all uh, it's BS propaganda.
1: And all it's BS propaganda. And I don't want to know why. I'd rather believe. I don't like those lyrics. Hmm. I think that's...
2: They contradict that's, each other. That's
1: denial. That's denial of, of what's happened. Now, no one's saying what has happened is good by any sense. Hmm. But I think it's the other way around. I think you should know history. I think it's uh, you deserve to know what actually happened rather than I would rather believe something. Hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah. I'm being a bit picky here.
0: I right. know what you're saying, but I I think that he that's not the intent of the lyric.
3: Maybe
1: yeah. not. Maybe right.
0: not. He's not saying. I believe they never did. I believe. I believe that there's hope for a kid. He's saying. I would rather. Rather. Insta- yeah. Instead of having that conversation, which he may agree with. He'd rather go, well, at the end of the day, if we just keep talking about the past, we're not going to be able to change anything. Why don't we just talk about the future and how we're going to, you know, move on from whatever whatever did happen? Yeah. That, that's the way I get it.
1: I don't know. Some, some I hear what you're saying and I'm not... But sometimes I hear that I'm like, you know, I think he wants to like, let's not teach let's not teach it. I think, no, yeah, I think it's worse. Yeah. <laughs> that's worse if you just pretend it never happened then we're bound to repeat it i think anyway that's my opinion
0: yeah well the Um, other thing is that i take h-i-s-t-o-r-y not as history but as his story but anyway that's just me
2: yeah
3: this is nothing um, with Michael Jackson. This is Prince we're talking about. Yeah. <laughs> well, it was
2: made before that album, yeah.
1: But um, But then my favourite part of the song is, after all that, he says basically like, all he wants to do is imitate the best, which is what he tries to be, and I'll let the rest dissolve with my guitar under the sea. That's an awesome lyric. And then he has that real slidey guitar. Um, yeah. That's the cool bit of the song. So, horns are sort of there. They're sort of doing some little stabs and things, but they're not as prominent as some other s- songs that they were on. It's a neat little groove. It's, generally speaking, a good message that... I have a couple of question marks over. But yeah, it's, a, it's not a bad song. All
0: right, all right. Uh, Captain, what are your thoughts?
3: Oh, okay then. Again, this is a killer beat, but it's very, it's, it's very simple. And when you listen to it, it's got these same... They're like these underlying like low growls which are in like days of wild and they're in this as well Mm. so i don't know how close these two tracks were recorded but they're similar in that way it's got a great little lead line it's just too funky the bass it just sounds excellent it's so fat it's so fat and funky it might be a keyboard it might be a bass i don't know but it sounds good i love the horns and the vocals and there's like a build up around three minutes and you've got these cool hand claps that come in at 351. Yeah. They c- and they're on the four and a half. They're not <laughs> on the one or on the four, they're on the four and a half. Yeah. And that's just funky. Um, I love the video to this as well. It's smoking flowers and it's <laughs> funny. The
1: video is really cheap, eh? But it's funny. It's pretty funny.
3: I love that video. It's oh, oh, I'm, I watched it just before, and I'm like, oh, God, I miss when he made videos. <laughs> when <laughs> I like the it. sort it's of videos he makes.
1: It's like, what are we going to do in this video? Um, let's just all sort of bob around. Like, <laughs> <you> know, <laughs> it's it's some of...
3: weird little dances. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> At 2.35, he says, Jumpy, Jumpy, Jumpy. I have no idea what that is, but I like it. <laughs> I don't know what it's supposed to be. Obviously, this is a song about race or racism, um, but I think Block Motherfuckers in the House was better. The end.
0: Okay, okay. Player, uh, what have you got to say about race? The track.
2: Okay, I may be wrong at the way this song is recorded, but to me it sounds like each musical element has been recorded separately and then being loaded into a sampler and Prince going to town, triggering samples. So on the one hand, it has this live band feel, but at the same time, it has a certain like DJ mix-up, mash-up element to it. So it's very creative. You're
3: um, just saying that because
2: there was on a, one of the websites. Yeah. yeah, But it does sound like there's individual parts to it that sort of crop up here and there every time. It's kind of sound like mm-hmm. he's just pressing, like, keys on a keyboard. Again, I've got to say, the lyrics are really well thought out, double entendres. The face of music refrain is Prince getting the listener not to ignore and confront the issue of racism. I agree what Sogem said, cut me, cut you. Both blood is red is a creative way to display that inside we're all the same. Race in the space I mark human. Again, great lyrics. I mean, how many times have you filled in a form and it asks a question? You know, that question. You know, Prince is right, what does that have to do with anything? The extended version that appears in the beautiful experience video is very funky with that added guitar. It's a nice upbeat song with a serious message. It's it's pretty cool.
0: Okay. In
3: the end of Papa, in the great the only great part of that song. He says a very similar lyric, though. He says um, something about colour, and deep down we're all the same. It's very similar to, you know, both of Blood is Red.
0: mm mm-hmm. I've got a little bit to say about this. The lyrics, you guys have covered a lot of that. And I think he's obviously on about how races shouldn't be the, the thing that splits people apart. You know, there's there's more to life than talking about your differences. And uh, from that point of view, I agree with it. It's it's He's it's it's got a clever way of putting it. As for the, for the track, I kind of agree with player. It's like this hodgepodge of sounds, but somehow it, it does work. The groove is there. There is a groove. Not as good as some of the other tracks. Pheromone loose, for example. But the groove is underpinned by the snare, the bass, the horn lines which are tight as heck. And this strange pitch shifting with the keyboards and some modulated guitar parts sounding nothing like a, a guitar at all, by the way. The bass is pretty wicked. They're very rubbery. It's it's probably the most rubbery bass he's had on a song, in my opinion. It's so rubbery. It sounds as if like your, your neighbours are moving furniture upstairs if you live in an apartment. You know, it's just <laughs> like something's going on. It's a rumbling noise. And then, he's got these strange hand claps and again, some more guitar effects. And as a combination, it's a very peculiar track because there's a lot that goes on but at the end of the day, it's kind of passable. And I think at the end of the day, it's probably the weakest track on this album other than the last track.
3: Oh, no! No!
0: Yeah, I think so. It's it's this was
3: recorded in the sessions for the cymbal album, so it has to be
0: great. Not necessarily.
3: <laughs> oh yes.
1: I I never realised that. But now that you mention it, you can hear it. It doesn't sound as up to date as a lot of the rest of the album does. Sonically.
2: It's got that same record scratch that's in continental. It's probably why like uh, it didn't feature on that album. It sounds a bit like some of the elements you use in that song appear in this song.
3: If this could have been on Symbol album instead of something else, that would have been great.
0: I don't think it's as it's good enough to be on symbol oh yeah i agree i think i think this is (laughs) possible
3: possible
0: but but don't worry captain because from possible we get into (sighs) something we get into something quite dark spooky electric is back Uh. not quite track number seven dark Any takers on this?
3: Yeah, I'll go, why not? All
0: right, Captain.
3: This is, it's a good sounding ballad. It's really got that live in the studio sound, which always sounds great. But on the flip side of that, his vocal to me sounds so processed. Like the band, like the music sounds really live, but his vocal is just, it sounds so processed to me, like effects and modulated and stuff all over it. But I like this song, it's got good lyrics, good vocals, I love the organ sounds, the backing vocals, the horns are great, Uh, I love the bridge. Uh, it's such a good change with the horns and everything leading into the chorus. There's some great little bass from 217 to 230. Listen to that. He hits a really good high note at 312, but it's not really up front. But listen, it's there and it's good. At 417, he's doing the, ow, you left me. That's a good bit. I like that. But probably my favorite part of the song is the the cool doubled guitars that come in at 4.53. They sound really good. It's perfectly mixed. Everything's just where it should be. There's some real low, funky, Rhodes-esque, funky sounds. They come in, it's only for like 10 seconds from 5.20 to 5.30. That's a cool sounding little thing. Then you've got the string outro with a very strong hint of I Wish You Haven't. Anyone else get that one? Mm. I'll have
2: to listen to that again Not really, no There you go, that's all I can say Oh yeah, (laughs) I can kind of hear that
0: Well, I mean, this is a masterpiece, right guys? Yep I think it is, every note and element of this song is just absolutely perfect It's beautifully arranged, it's beautifully sung and performed I haven't got too much more to say about this I I just enjoyed listening to the song so much it was difficult to take notes But it's got some exceptional lyrics The horns... One of the best things about this song is the horns, as as many of these yeah. songs on this album. But the interesting thing about the horns on Dark are that they express what is happening during every part of the song. They musically create a, a picture of, of what he is singing about, more so than many, many yeah. other songs on this album. And I find that incredibly creative in the horn arrangements. His voice is remarkable. Forget about it. The guy's on top of his game. His background vocals are just so silky smooth. Never been better the bass, that rubbery bass is back. And in fact the drums and the bass are so real you can feel them in your chest when you turn this up. They just pound. And then and then you've also got, you know, Barbarella. And his keys rounding out and filling up the track. It's full of sound and, and um, luxurious harmonies. Self-harmonies are, are just out of this world. Pure soul. That's what this song is. Pure. And I love the line now. He says, I want to curse you. Instead of actually cursing, he says, you know, this is how you make me feel. I just want to curse you. But he doesn't actually go that far and cheapen the song by actually cursing mm. within the song itself. This is by far a masterpiece. You'd think the fact that I'm calling that calling it that would mean i would have more to say about it but i don't it's fantastic uh player
2: yeah i agree um another again another blues song with great lyrics you really feel his pain when he contrasts everything that's going on you know with the sun outside is shining but then you know what he's feeling it's you know lost in rain and and dark and you know there's great elements in there the live band feel the horns and the way the horns swell through the song like as you guys mentioned the the way the music of the bridge leading up to the chorus the whole vibe is really nice it's nicely recorded it's very polished and every incarnation of this song this one dark on crystal ball so dark most recently, um, the one called Darkness. They're all really nice versions. I, I love them all. Really, really nice song.
3: You know what? The best thing you can say about this song is just it sounds good.
1: Hmm. It, does.
2: It, just, yeah, it, it does. just
3: it just sounds really good. That's all. That's all you got to say.
1: Yeah. So, Toe
3: yeah. Jam, you don't need to say anything.
1: <laughs> Actually, I've got my review here. It sounds. It sounds good. There you go. See. Actually, I I probably wouldn't go as far as to say it's a masterpiece, but it is a very good song. I think I slept on it for years and years because just it's towards the end of this album. Of all of the songs on the album, it's the one that doesn't... Not that it doesn't fit on the album, but it's different sonically to all the other songs. So maybe... uh, It probably fits more in line with, um, you know, the vault. and For Sale, that album. But yeah, I agree with pretty much everything you say. There's not not a whole lot to say about it other than just it's a really nice, well-written, slow jam song with all the elements that you'd expect and want and performed well i've got great interplay with the horns like example you know nothing but rain and then the horns are like wah wah wah, yeah. that kind of stuff you know the verses are kind of sort of bluesy and then when it gets to that sort of pre-chorus bit it kind of goes to real nice majory sort of sound so uh, and that sunshine bit in the middle as well it's almost sort of a bit beatlesque uh sunshine yeah, with the horns doing nice little bridge section yeah but i think what makes the song is just a great dynamic contrast between the loud and the soft sections. And his vocals as well. Like, just great dynamics all the way through. Uh, and that guitar in that last minute uh, is really nice, clean guitar solo.
0: Hmm. Uh, Very really bluesy smooth. sounding, yeah.
1: Yeah. So, yeah, it's a really nice, really good, well-written slow jam song. And I agree with Player. I really like the um, Crystal Ball remix as well. I don't know which one I prefer. They're, pretty, they're both pretty good in their own right. And uh, the rehearsal version they released recently was... Pretty good too. So yeah, it's a good song.
3: Tojan, here's a question for you. Yeah. You talk about dynamics. Can you mm. think of any on like the last three albums
1: that have good dynamics?
3: Or is it all just Pro Tools blasted all to the wall? Uh, I can't really think of any. I'm sure there's some lately. good
1: stuff on Lotus Flower. I'm sure there's some good stuff on Lotus
3: yeah.
1: Flower. LP
0: version.
3: <laughs> vinyl, vinyl, only on vinyl.
1: <laughs> but it's, it's, it's harder to do with that sort of more Minneapolis sound drumbeat stuff. But with a live band, it's, you, can, you can do it more. That's what's so great about a live band.
3: Yeah, that's one thing that's missing. Like, not just Prince, like, in music. Yeah. There's no dynamic anymore. It's a, especially if you listen to the radio the radio is just horrible it kills yeah, any it's dynamic anyway
0: it just been compressed yeah.
1: and every every bit of it's, everything's
0: full you know there's no fill little it moments. fill it. Yeah.
3: Blast it to the wall oh. yeah
0: yeah they compress the dynamic range and then they turn it up to 11 and it just sounds like absolute shit <laughs> <laughs> it's true it, like, is, it is it is you're right you're totally right that's what happens now yeah. um, you know it's all David Guetta jeez mm. yeah know? we're all doomed
2: <laughs>
0: okay So, we go from Dark straight into uh, the next track, which is Solo. Solo.
2: Not the
3: drink. Not the drink. Don't be confused.
0: (coughs) (coughs) I'd like to open this up, okay? Is there anyone that would like to go before me? You go. This is the best without a doubt the absolute best and favorite my favorite song on this album wow i don't know when, where to start with this and i, I don't want to bore you to death so i'll tr- i'll try and um,
2: <laughs> no one was lucky get- <laughs> i'll
0: I'll, tr- I'll try and get the show on the road as 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 best i can but all the superlatives that i was going to throw at this song have now escaped me it is ambient dark powerful minimalist eccentric real it's incredible this is the kind of song that I really think he would have kept in the vaults I can't believe he put this on an album this is it sounds so utterly private and personal it's genreless almost it's basically a vocal and lyrical showcase so intense and truthful the likes of which we very rarely hear from Prince. This is just an insane song. If, if you can call it a song, to me, it's a, it's a work of art. It's, and I'm not just saying that because, oh, look at him. He's just recorded himself singing with some ambient noises in the background and and an electric harp or whatever, whatever the heck that instrument is that, that is kind of, um, lilting in the, in the background. That's not why I'm saying this. I genuinely believe this is one of his best ever recordings of all time on any album ever. I slept on this song for years. Listening to this album for this review has just made me realize how incredible this track is. So I'll let you- everyone else start talking, and I'm probably going to interject because my love for this song is incredible, is immense. Oh, and I should say the lyrics. Mm-hmm. The lyrics are written by not by Prince, but David by,
3: Henry Huang.
0: That's right, of um, M Butterfly fame, Madame Butterfly. So, and, and you know, a playwright and a, a very well known in in the theatre and arts community. So. I would love to know how that collaboration came to play because I don't. I've he
1: has. I have read it. He published. Well, not published, but there was a thing on the internet a couple of years ago, and he basically oh, told yeah, the story. Right. Yeah. But I've complete. I've completely forgotten what the story is. But oh, I would love to know. with a
2: mixtape tape or something, wasn't it? I would yeah. love to hear. I would
1: he, love. He to has told the story about
2: how the collaboration came about, etc. Something. Yeah. Something in New York and a tape and yeah, something. Okay. Who's gonna go next? Well, initially, I thought it was the other way around. I thought Prince wrote the lyrics and the other guy was doing the music to it. But, yeah, it's interesting that he is letting someone else, you know, take the reign on the lyrics part of it. Normally, I skip this track on most occasions, but I can respect it on many levels. For one, the collaboration with an outsider. The fact that the most part of it's a cappella, hence the name Solo. And the vocal is a stunning display of his vocal abilities, even though there's a whole heap of reverb on it. It is really, really cool. Like, nothing that you've ever heard ever since, like, I guess, God, when he brought out God. The harp's a nice touch, makes the a bit Andreas Wallenwiller vibe and the thunderstorm effects. I think it carries on from Dark, where in Dark, like I said, the contrast between Light and Dark or being happy or sad, again, he in Solo, the contrast is being so low or down and so high, so... I think it's perfectly placed on the album, Coming After Dark. It's a similar theme. Again, lyrics so low, the curb looks like a skyscraper. Straight blues right there again. It's a very interesting track for the most part. So, like I said, I can respect it, but I don't spin it as much just just to the nature of the song. But yeah, I definitely respect it. Okay, Toe
1: I agree. I think this is an amazing song. Definitely something very unique in the Prince canon. The first word I had written... as MC said, it's very private. It's one of those songs you're listening to and you're like, oh, am I supposed to be listening to this? Hmm. Uh, it's just so different from everything he does. Other th- Well, actually, played reminded me, and not since like a song like God. So, he has done it a couple of times. But again, the, the vocal is just a complete showcase of his vocal ability. Like, his range goes from the extreme high to the extreme low. But it's not only his range, it's also his control of different things. Like, his control of volume. The timbre and the tone of his voice, the way he's able to just manipulate that at will. Is, is, is amazing and um, you know in some ways this is it's operatic it's like an opera singer but then it's got these bluesy you know the roots where he comes from it's got those bluesy inflections to it that it's such a unique mix of like operatic classical and and blues singing it's straight down the middle and you know so I can hear it in both ways it's not a blues but it's not it's not strict classical so the lightning at 154 always hits me it's like whoa that's kind of that's really yeah. well placed.
3: It is it's lightning. There's mm. lightning in it. Yeah. yeah.
1: Thunder and
0: lightning. Thunderstorm intro.
1: Oh, memories again. <laughs> <laughs> the only other song I could think of where he's sort of done this collaboration with the lyrics is Silver Tongue, which is yeah. done in a similar way, and that he's basically taken someone else's lyrics and then done the song himself, which is interesting. I always imagine that he's just sung this solo and then he's gone and added the keys later. Which is interesting as well, because then he adds different harmonies and things onto it that may not actually be implied originally on the vocal, but he can make work. Yeah. that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. You know, like, just little things like when he sings so silent and his voice cuts out. Like, it may have been an accident, but it fits really well, that bit. Uh, and then, you know, he finishes on this really low note saying, my name is no one. Now, I, I don't know if he wrote that lyric or if that's from the, the other guy, but that's really telling of, of where he... Yeah. Well, maybe whether or not he actually was that low or that was the perception that he was sort of, you know, this Prince thing's over. It doesn't get much more devastating than that in some ways. So, what an amazing song. Like, I'm tossing up between Papa and, and this one as my
0: second favorite song on the album. Yeah, those, those two are certainly almost two peas in a pod in a way, aren't they? From the, Just the intent or the way that they yeah. come across. But I, I just, just before we get to Captain, I just want to say again, the lyrics... David Henry Huang, so quiet I can hear the blood rushing through my veins. Yeah. Nuts. That kind of stuff really, it really sends shivers down my spine. I've had very few experiences listening to music where I literally shiver, you know, and the, the hairs on the back of your hand or your arm or your neck stand up. This always happens to me when I listen to this, to this piece of music. It's amazing. Captain, why don't you round this one up for us?
3: We were just talking about, Why doesn't he collaborate with people? Why doesn't he do some sort of experiment? And that's exactly what this song is, and it's good. It's really good. But how few and far between are these sorts of things?
2: Hmm.
3: Way too far. I mean, I'm not a huge fan of this as a song, but as an experiment, I'm a huge fan of this song. Just the fact that he tried it, he collaborated with someone else. He took someone else's lyrics. He did something he would never do. That I'm a huge fan of. It's just great that he tried to do, you know, yeah. different things. I wish he would keep trying. Even just one song an album. Just do something bizarre. I mean, you could say there is one bizarre track on every album, but not as bizarre as we want.
0: Not as <laughs> bizarre as this, that's for this sure.
1: This brings up an interesting thing. I mean, like... From what we see, like, Prince sort of considered this album, like, he didn't really promote it, really. Sort of saw this as as throwaways. Now, maybe not that he's not happy with it, but maybe there is all this experimental stuff sort of going on, but he doesn't feel like nowadays, when he only puts out an album every couple of years, as it seems, he seems to be going in that direction, that maybe he's not so keen on releasing that stuff, which may be the sort of stuff that we're looking for. Hmm. Like, the fact that he was forced to release something. And so, to him, he's like, oh, I'll release these songs that um, are sort of experiments that I'm not really, maybe perhaps, fully 100% happy with. But to us, they're like really unique songs.
3: Yeah. I mean, if he's listening to this, he's probably thinking, why are they calling these songs experiments? They're just songs. What do you mean experiment? Hmm. I mean, obviously, it's a song to show off his vocal ability in every possible way. And it does that very well. But I wonder what happened to David Henry Huang.
0: What do you mean? He's a massive... Mess, I know, but it? he
3: didn't get paid for his lyrics, but he is credited on the track, so I'm mm. guessing he gets royalties. Even Who though knows. he didn't even though he didn't initially get paid, which is what I've read, so You'll are getting that.
0: very, very, very little royalties off a song like this from, I from think. this
3: album, yeah. But, but
0: I was just going to say, it doesn't matter whether he sings it or even if he sp- even if he just spoke these words. I-, I think that the incredible thing about this is just the em- the emotion of the delivery. I-, I know you guys are saying it's a vocal showcase, and I agree because I said it myself. But I think the impact of the song itself and just the. I guess that's it. Just the impact of if if you were already in a low place and you took this song too seriously, it could really get you. <laughs> it could really get you down. It's a very deep piece of music.
3: Like player said, he always, or not always, but usually skips this track. Yeah. I never did skip this track, even though it was you know, totally weird and really the the odd song out on this album. I never skipped it. I just listened to it, which is weird because normally I would skip a song like this. But I, I always listen to it, which is weird for me. But it's good. Do more songs like this. That's what yeah. I say. <laughs> I
0: don't know if that's possible.
3: Oh, here's a question. Everyone, do you think his voice is in as good shape as this, you know, 18 years ago? Do you think he could still sing this song pretty much the same as this?
0: Oh. Yeah, I don't know. I don't mm. know if that that's a thing. Uh, I don't he think... He doesn't have to, really. No,
3: He's I'm just like, wondering. I mean, I don't think his falsetto is as great as it was. I mean, I don't think it's hugely, you know, hugely diminished. I just think it's not as great as it was.
1: You know, this is 20 years later, of course. you got to take that into account.
3: I know. But some people, their voice gets better. Some people, gets worse. It's all, It's you know, it's nothing good or bad. I
2: think it's just like a moment in time. Like, his vocal was pretty good at that point. He's, like, recorded it. Because, mm. like, before that, like, he was... You know, he had good vocal, but it was probably its strongest here. But yeah, it's just documented that he could actually at one point do a song like this mm. with those abilities. It's pretty good. It's pretty good.
3: So when he recorded this, do you think he thought, damn, that sounds good. I might do a few more of these.
2: No, who knows? Like, he's really pushing himself in places.
3: Because he might have thought, well, you know, 30 years from now, I might not be able to sing this way, so I'll just record a whole bunch of weird stuff and I can release it later.
0: Peach and Black Podcast, the conspiracy theorists. <laughs> <laughs> I think we're up to track nine. I'll, I'll let it go. How about that? Yeah. Oh, that's right. That, that's what the track's called. Let it go, track nine. Let's get into things. The single, the big single, Captain, Shoot.
3: I like this song. To me, this song sounds like the one he spent the most time on, on this album. I mean, even though he wanted to give them an album that wasn't great, with not that many obvious choices for singles, this one seems like he put a bit of effort into it more than the others, I think. To me, this is the classic Prince Pop song. It's the main single. He got the Santa Claus bells in there you got great synth hooks, you've got a funky bass line, you got a funky guitar all over the place. Just enough organ and synth to fill it out. Uh, I love the melody of the vocals. It's just got everything that it should have. And it's got a cool little solo, 248 to 310. And I love at 411, there's a little like vocoder sound where he says, come a little closer.
2: It's oh, cool yeah. Is that the
1: earliest vocoder? Not, like The Prince, or, for Prince. For Prince, Yeah.
3: Could I
2: think
1: be.
0: It has to be. I don't remember hearing one before this. It could yeah. be. It was it was definitely a while before Mike Phillips joined the band, so
3: <laughs> Yeah. But for me this is a very memorable track. There's lots of songs you just forget about, but this song will it sticks in my head. And this is the sort of thing we know he's capable of doing. So when he turns out something inferior, I always think back to something like this and I think, what happened? Where's this? But then I think, well, maybe he thinks he's already done, you know, the perfect three-minute pop song, so that's fine. He's done enough of them, so then do some more experimental things. So where are they? Don't just churn out something sort of in between just for the sake of putting out an album. Wow, hmm. I went. that was a bit of a rant out of nowhere. Okay.
1: <laughs> Let it go, Cap.
3: <laughs> Let it go. Okay. So he can do great pop songs and he can do very average things, but I want oh, – it doesn't matter. It's irrelevant <laughs> what I want. <laughs> he doesn't care. Next.
2: <laughs>
0: Player. Let it go. Nice.
2: Nice, 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 funky, jazzy track with a bit of a hip hop edge. The lyrics are almost like a swan song to Warner saying he's confined and restricted as Prince and he has to let it go and start anew. It's one of those nice driving, kind of in your car bumping songs, you know, nice laid back with some sexy Eric Leeds flute and saxophone a real highlight I especially like the remixes they're very hip hop based
3: Sherm Stick Edit
2: yeah by J Swift from Farside which basically takes the ballad of Dorothy Parker and slows it right down and then, mm. then it's mixed with guitar from Nothing is the Same from Grand Funk Railroad so and, and like that whole thing makes it very haunting like a really haunting version and then yeah you but got, has
1: it got anything to do with Let It Go though <laughs>
2: like, <laughs> it doesn't really I found it weird the way
1: they called it a Let It Go remix
2: yeah it doesn't really, but it's a it's a cool little take, yeah. It but. is cool, and then you've got the QD3 re- remixes, which is um, Quincy Jones' son. Yeah, it's just a, that that whole remix. album was really cool. I really like that. But yeah, nice song.
0: Okay, well, I haven't got that much more to add. I just agree with what everyone said. Kind of autobiographical lyrics. Um.
3: What's this army that's three million strong?
0: Who knows? It's <laughs> fans. That's his that's his <clears throat> fan base. I always Fair. thought. Yeah. No, but that's what that's what I- it would have I- been like. Back
1: Back then, then, possibly, In terms of, you know, he would have sold, like, anything he put out, he would have sold, like, that amount. Nowadays, it would be a lot less. Hmm.
3: Ah, I thought so.
0: This this track, like, to me, in retrospect, when you read the lyrics, when you listen to him singing them, it foresees a change in in him and in his career. Like, you know, the the musically it's very 90s R&B sounding with a lot of many cool Prince elements. But, and it's definitely a jam, but it's not like a party song. It's, it's a, it's a strange jam, so to speak. It's not something that you'd play to get the party started and to no. start, you know, it's strange. It's a strange track. I guess it mixes many, many divergent elements together to create a statement. It's almost like a statement song at the end of the album, you know? I'm, I'm leaving and I'm, I'm, I'm going to start this new journey, which we all now know was really the gold experience and everything else that ensued. So, I think it's a solid track. I enjoy it. And it's something that he doesn't talk about a lot, which is overtly talking about his own life, not in such obvious detail. So, yeah, interesting. Jam.
1: Uh Yeah, I think the first thing that sticks out to me is that the baseline is basically, thank you for letting me be myself again. It's the same baseline. Hmm. General. Don't, don't. Don't That sort of thing. Uh. I like the synth hook. It's a very catchy synth hook, a sort of a synth pipe kind of sound. The bluesy melody, the sort of da. But coming back to the lyric in space, where he says, "I've never been one to hide my feelings," and suddenly on the same album he's saying, "All my All life, my I've life. Kept my, yeah, I've kept my feelings deep inside." Well, which one is it? Yeah. Hmm. This is classic Prince total contradiction, and I wonder if he on did the that on the same album. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I wonder if he did that on purpose or whether it's just just coincidence. I don't know. Uh, but it's interesting that those two lyrics are on the same album. Yeah, it's sort of three sections. There's the verse, there's the chorus, and then there's the, I'm ready for that. And it's sort of a little instrumental bit that happens. Um, the weird key solo, 253, weird sort of I lo- sound. I
3: love that solo. It's so different. Yeah. It's, but it fits perfectly in this song.
1: Yeah. It's almost like he's, he's not playing like a melody solo. He's more like sort of playing around with the sound effect itself. And if that makes sense. Yeah, not a whole lot to say about it. Just, I, I, I question the, as Captain questioned the honesty in Papa, I kind of question the honesty in this one. It's like, I don't know, maybe when he wrote it in that moment, he really felt like he wanted to let it all go. Or whether this was all just sort of the part of the the act of, oh, Prince is dying and this is the end of it all. And How how real was that to him and how much of it was all part of the promotion for the, you know, the symbol thing that was going to come after? Again, it, we can only speculate. But it's interesting in that respect. But it, it is a, a good jam. And it kind of summarizes the album, I guess. It's a similar sort of mid-tempo, hip-hop, slightly
0: inspired, thick
1: beats that sort of run through the album. And then, out of nowhere, it goes straight on to the last track,
0: Orgasm. Hmm. Yeah, speaking of coming full circle <laughs> um... <laughs> and a fitting end, <clears throat> track number 10, Orgasm. Orgasm. Take a cap.
3: So we go from The song I love
0: I love the deep bass In this one That's <laughs> for sure.
1: I think it's a stunning vocal performance
3: Yeah (laughs) (laughs) It is But we go from the song Which sounds like he spent the most time on To the track he obviously spent the least amount of time on
0: See, you say that Do you know how long it it takes to get there, Captain? (laughs) That's a a, a lot of whining and dining It's
3: about 45 minutes, I think (laughs) But, you know, let's grab an old guitar solo from 15 years ago Chuck that on there And let's get Vanity from that other song And chuck that on there And put some waves There you go, done
2: track
0: yeah check some vanity on that and that's I, don't, I don't out. count i don't see this as a s- track I, it's I think not it's a song just, no it's, it's an adventure
2: <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's the thing what's its purpose on that?
3: it's an outro but i suppose if, if you want to fit the theme of the album the whole thing is about come it's a sex album you got to finish with orgasm obviously he just had <laughs> to finish it off that's literally that's the way he did it
0: Yeah, that makes sense. (laughs) But, uh,
1: yeah, I agree. I know what you're saying. It's sort of the theme of the album. But at the same time, like, who actually really listens to this? Like, I may have listened to it once the first time listening through, a couple of times here and there just to hear the effects and things. But, I mean, if we're calling Most Skippable Track, this is clearly it.
3: Yeah. Well, yeah, I haven't actually said that yet. So, yeah, this one. (laughs) Most Skippable Track.
0: Well, that was a short review.
2: Yeah. I think I've said this before, the, the very last part of it where he says I love you. Mm. around this symbol era that you know people interpret his name as the love symbol or i love you or whatever so i think this album closes out the prince era and then the i love you or whatever starts the new going forward i don't know that's the way i've always seen it
0: man well, you uh, get you get uh, my knickers in the twist player i'll tell uh, you
2: <laughs>
3: what track is it on where he says uh,
2: geez, i love
3: you and geez. then straight after that he yeah. says welcome to the dawn
2: mm. or he says what's my name and so i don't know maybe i'm reading too much into it but
0: that's what happens.
3: Finishes this with I love you and then he starts off the new one with welcome to the door. That's mm. how it goes.
0: Speaking of reading too much into it, I'll just finish my part of this this whole entire album review by saying that if you pick up the CD version and you turn it to the back, you'll notice that at the bottom, just above where it says all songs produced, arranged, composed and performed by Prince and Chronic A- asterix. Freeze, asterisks including Chronic Freeze, who we all know is Prince anyway, A um, A D there's a little little bit that between the Warner Brothers symbol and the compact disc is AD. Yeah, so that's analog, analog, digital. It's code for a CD that was recorded in analog, yes, mixed in analog, which is the first two A's. But then the last D is there because it was transferred digitally. Yeah. So the last part of the mix, you know, it's basically it's not a fully analog recording, obviously, because you can't have an analog recording on a CD. But an analog tape recorder was used for the whole recording, then it was mixed and edited on an analog console. But it was mastered digitally. So, this is a reason, one of the key reasons why this CD actually sounds really good in comparison to, to other CDs that might be completely digital and all the dynamic range is completely compressed and makes it sound completely flat and all, that, all, all those sorts of things. But I, I will say, and everyone knows what I'm about to say, the LP s- still kicks ass and uh, go out and <laughs> get it if you haven't got it. <laughs> Try and find it on eBay or something.
2: And what's your rating out of 10?
0: i uh, I'll leave my rating till last. what's yours
2: (laughs) Uh, well my overall I guess conclusion would be I think at the time people sort of overlooked this album because they were looking forward to Gold Experience but over time it's been a real grower and now it's a real sort of underground favourite with Prince fans and there's like some real bluesy dark material but there's also a lot of diversity with blues hip hop classical elements industrial elements funk dance there's a whole heap of stuff here but it all is all... He makes it work as one theme. I'd give it maybe eight
0: out of ten. Hmm. Okay. All right. Captain?
3: Yeah, I'm going to say eight as well. I was going to say seven or seven and a half, just, you know, trying to be objective... But I got into Prince like 92, yeah, around 92, 93. And this was one of the first albums that came out when I was there. I was there when this album came out and I got it and I played it a billion times. So it's sort of got that factor as well, which puts it just a bit higher than I think it should be. But I'm still going to go eight.
0: Hmm. Two solid eights. It's Toe Jam's turn.
3: Uh, well, my overall thoughts about
1: this, I think it's a very consistent album, unlike a lot of Prince albums where he tries to do a little bit of everything. I think this one, Chaos and Disorder and The Vault, uh, you know, his contractual obligation albums, they're actually pretty good in the, in the sense that they do kind of nut out a theme uh, and they do sort of sound consistent as separate albums. So I like that about it. Obviously, the theme is that it's very dark, very thick, kind of nasty, kind of sleazy, or like sort of dark slash depressing themes in some some cases. Uh, I really like the first song. I think the first song is amazing. One of the better songs he's done. Space is okay. Pheromone's okay. Loose, meh. Puppa's good. Race is okay. Dark's good. Solo's good. Let it go is between okay and good. I'm struggling to give this an eight. I really want to, but I just don't know if I can. Because there's really only three songs that I I really, really enjoy. The others, I think, yeah, they're they're good enough, but they're not super. Um, So I'm going to give this a seven and a half. It's um, still good Yeah, it's it's a good album And I agree with um, I think it was player who said it That uh, it, it isn't a grower album Like, I didn't get a whole lot out of it When I first got it But it's one of those albums You come back to And you
0: enjoy more and more Every time you listen to it Okay There are 10 tracks on this album And I'm very tempted to rate it Based on
2: No the, Not the iTunes score Come on, man
0: No, but I, I won't <laughs> I won't do that. Uh, this is, to me, Come is a classic Prince album. Classic in the same way that Gold Experience is a classic, in the same way that Symbol albums are a classic.
3: Well, these two, the Gold Experience and Come, they're like twins. Mm. All this stuff was recorded at the same time.
1: Well, we've said this a lot. Like a lot of And those... then it
3: was just split between the two.
1: But for me, there's always like a lot of his albums seem to come out in pairs. A lot of the albums have yeah. what I think is sort of a brother-sister album. Yes. Like to me, Around the World in the Day is clearly the you know, a, an album off Purple Rain, Parade and Sign of the Times, uh, you know, For You, Prince, Dirty Mind Controversy. There's, there's, there seem to be sort of paired albums, and I think that's mm. come the gold experience are so definitely brother-sister
2: albums. Yeah.
3: Because when he gave this album to Warners, he said, you put Come Out as the last Prince album, and then, you know, like...
2: Next week, yeah. You next week,
3: out- put yeah. out The God Experience by Symbol. Yeah. And they just said, well, that's not happening. But, you know, these albums, they were meant to be together. It's meant to be.
0: Oh, man, I'm, I'm really struggling to do it. A- a uh, score, that's why I secretly, that's that's the real reason why I asked you guys to go first. Um, I don't actually have a score for this. I think it's a really good album. I think it's a very solid. And I do think it's a classic album because there's there's some songs on here that I think some of the best he's ever written, whether it's calm or loose. Yeah, I said it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, musically, anyway. Uh, calm, loose, papa, dark, solo. You know, half the album is just worth its weight in gold. And three quarters of it is is good to great. Um, Worth yeah. its waiting
2: come Yeah
0: yeah, wh- <laughs> <laughs> Something like that I'm tempted You, you guys are going to go mental when I say this <sighs> If I was going to rate this album On the basis that this is one of the most ballsy Experimental bold releases Of his entire discography I would rate it a 10 yeah. Um, But, yeah, re-listening to this album, I've fallen in love with it and I was never in love with it in the first place. Um, There were some songs that I loved but this is just, I really want to spend some time with this over the next few months or even years and just hopefully the feeling will stay with me but I'm really digging this album at the moment. So, back to my score, if we have to, I really don't want to but I'll score it an 8 just because I don't want to be controversial.
3: (laughs) What, no 4? (laughs) no
0: no that's about it i know it's a big letdown he said eight everyone else said eight except for i I was gonna come to the table and and give this a 10 and i still i feel like i'm letting myself down here by not saying that but i just don't give it a nine i just i just i don't want to say 10 because people are gonna say yeah but that's bullshit how can that (laughs) mc are you (laughs) mc are you crazy what about 1999, what about Purple Rain, Sun of the Times, Gold Experience, Lotus Flower? You know, you, you're, you're actually- you've got to be nuts. But on one hand, I kind of feel like this is his greatest album. Well, then wow. say it, man. But it, I well, no, just I, I can't commit. I can't commit because <laughs> I'm not- I, I know the com- feeling. There's so many times we do reviews and think, yeah, this, this album's amazing. And then later I think, oh, maybe it's not as amazing as we said it was. Yeah. And, and that's why I can't commit to that. But I really- Not because I want to be controversial, but I I do feel like this is like the hidden classic in his-
1: his I agree that it's definitely one of the most underrated albums. Not so much by Prince fans, but just, well, I guess to some extent Prince fans as well. But the really hardcore Prince
0: fans seems to really like this album. Yeah. Like, the thing about it is, I've mentioned some classic albums, right? And a lot of them come with a high level of pretentiousness to me. Mm. Now that I've been a Prince fan for a while, even when I listened to 99 and- Purple Rain, Around the World in the Day. And
3: and this doesn't um, have any of that.
0: This doesn't really have any of that. It just sounds like a guy who's just going pedal to the metal, just to the, to the wall. He's just going for it. The weird and-
3: thing is, it's a contractual obligation album. So, it's just weird that it's got such, you know, some great tracks on there, some experimental stuff that he's never done. And it makes me think, did he put that on there because he just guessed it well it won't sell that well so not that many people will hear it so i can put some weird stuff on there mm. who knows
1: well i think I ca- those those contractual obligation albums i think he's done that deliberately it's it's like well this is kind of the stuff that maybe more of the hardcore fans would enjoy and not so much the mainstream which is interesting cuz he maybe should have done that with the gold experience cuz you know the gold experience in emancipation tried to be a bit more commercial knowing that he had to try and do it all on his own
3: that's interesting it's interesting that he gave these sort of songs to Warners for this album, knowing that Warners won't make that much money off it. So he did it to screw them and continuously took off the better tracks and made it worse and worse. And But at the same time, <laughs> knowing that we're going to get what we want. We're going to yeah, get the songs that we want. But
2: I, oh, that's, that's really interesting to me. What I find interesting is over time, like even Prince fans wrote this album off to a degree. But over time, more and more people really dig this album yeah it's a, it's a grower.
0: I find listening to you guys I'm I'm I'm, I'm tending to think that Come is like the dirty mind of the 90s in a way.
3: I get that. Yeah. Definitely. I get that. But, but he,
2: even like, more explicit. <laughs> it was more overt on chaos and disorder, but it
0: didn't work that way.
2: Yeah. Like it yeah, was maybe. a conscious move to to make it sound like dirty mind, but really Come is the way it sort of turned out.
0: Uh, yeah, it, I can't believe I'm saying this, but a, a lot of his albums, really, the majority of his work is as exceptional as it is, whether it's the performance, the composition, the arrangement, the lyrics. Uh, Anything, you name it. I, I, I feel like a lot of these songs and a lot of the songs from the 93 to 95 era were like more of a reflection of what was going on inside his head. Like, he played around with the production and that programming and all those all elements to his heart's content. But the actual vision, like the core message, the what was yeah. it again player, the deep hidden meaning. Yeah. Yeah. That remained? Yes. And I think this was like in the middle of that period. It's like you look at all these songs and none of them really stand out as as trying to be something they're not. It's like- Except maybe maybe Papa. Yeah, in your opinion. (laughs) So, in that sense, I think Come is probably the truest Prince album there is. The closest album to the source, in a way. You know, the album that really gets deep inside his mind. Not the glossy pop stuff. Not the stuff that's- that's put out there for the masses, but yeah. the real the real deal. And, and that's at, why I almost gave this a 10. So
3: You look at Prince's image, his whole career, especially from Dirty Mind controversy, it's always been this, you know, the sex image that's always been there. It's not all of it, but that's always part of it. So in giving them these tracks and this album, he could have been saying, this is what you want, this is what you get. This is the, you know, the image that you've come to make all the money off, so here's another one of these. This is the most... You know, sex-themed album you're going to get as the last Prince album, no?
0: Maybe. (laughs) Who knows?
3: Because to me, it's totally living up to his supposed image all those years. Like, there's always been a track or two on each album, but this is, like, just a whole album of sex.
2: Well, maybe it's done that way so that there's a distinct a distinct difference between what Prince is and the symbol. So, like, more of these tracks are more sort of, you know Prince as that sort of sexual guy and then the symbol, it's kind of like maybe, I don't know, more sort of different themes. So, that way you sort of distinguish the two as two separate artists or identities or whatever.
0: I don't know. I kind of feel like he hasn't overthought this album. Like, you look at every single song on this, it's a distillation of a theme, more or less, or an aspect of what he's trying to talk about you know, or bring people's attention to. That's not always the case, you know, on other albums, on other songs.
2: I, I, I like this album for, like, its honesty that you don't get in the more recent Prince albums. Like, there's a lot of things that, you know, that he says here that you don't find in his work anymore.
0: Well, you say anymore, but take the album Around the World in the Day. I mean, you look at songs like Temptation as, an, as one example. You know, you compare Temptation to some of this material mm. in, in its, I don't find Temptation, I'm not going to say sincere because I'm sure he was sincere when he was recording it, but it, it's a different kind of feeling. You know, this is like straight from the gut, whereas all the other stuff is just over calculated.
2: No, I'm talking well, about I think that his Prince t- albums now.
0: Yeah, that's like- also true.
2: You don't see him talking about child abuse. You don't see him talk about racism. You don't see him talking about, you know, the themes that come up on this album. You don't see him talking about that anymore. He
3: doesn't seem to be talking about anything anymore. That's the problem for me.
2: That's the thing. Like, it's an interesting listen, the way his mind works and the, you know how he portrays that and brings it out on an album which yeah like it's it's kind of lacking and nowadays like the stuff that he brings out is enjoyable but like i think it's more interesting to listen to when he comes up with the, like these themes and the way he delivers them
0: ah uh, but we've always got come guys
2: <laughs> it's good it's is an album we can always bounce back onto
0: <laughs> say what <laughs> <laughs> so um yeah i think that wraps it up prince come Through the night.
2: <laughs> thunder, you slow-mo, oh, <laughs>
0: they took us off Podbean when <laughs> no one was lucky. No one <laughs> was lucky. <laughs>